Hello, my name is Joe Hogan. Many of you know me as Epic Grays in various video games and on social media. Welcome to episode 233 of Geek a geek culture podcast that celebrates the inner geek in all of us. And of course, as always, I am joined by my good friend Ray. How are you doing, Ray? I'm doing good, Joe. What's up? Lots of bad movies. <laughs> yes. For some reason, you know when you're like super tired and then you suddenly get this like burst of like adrenaline kind of fueled energy? Mm-hmm. That's how I feel about this podcast we're about to record. Like, <laughs> for some reason, these movies are so bad <laughs> that I'm that I'm kind of excited to talk to you about them. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I told I told Matt this morning because you know I mean we we do this early on Sundays. We're both very busy people. You know we we enjoy talking to each other, but I know there's times that one or both of us are just like. I'm happy to be talking to you, but I want to go to sleep. <laughs> I have other things on my mind. Yes. Um, and this morning I was like, I'm really looking forward to talking to Ray. This morning. <laughs> like these movies are so bad, but I'm really looking forward to talking to Ray. This morning. Yeah. Same, same. Uh, it's been so interesting going back and watching these movies that we never really, we didn't review these ever so no, you no. know we, we talked about them obviously oh yeah but, uh yeah this has been actually uh this has been kind of fun and i i do have some some takes and thoughts that i think you will be surprised by okay cool so i'm kind of i'm, I'm excited uh, um weekly geek so grease time to? yeah go for it Ooh, well um peacemaker ended um that was cool we watched that. I think I was kind of, as much as I enjoyed that show, uh, I think I was done. I was ready for it to be done by the time we got to the last episode. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so that kind of, I don't know, it have it all kind of came together where it was like, okay, great. Eight episodes. Yeah. Or I think it's nine. Uh, however many. It's like, yeah, that that was the perfect amount. They nailed, they nailed that. Like, <laughs> if I had to watch like three more episodes of this, which you were the one who pointed out to me. I never noticed that that how often that happens where you get this feeling that a, a story that should have been told or could have been told in six episodes is stretched out to like a full season length. Right. And ever since you pointed that out to me, I I see it every time now. I notice it every time. You can find those episodes. Like you're you're yes. like midway through and you're like, oh my God, this is a filler episode. We don't need this one. Yes. Like there's something important at the beginning of it and there's something important at the end of it and everything in between is just filler. Absolutely. And I think that at the most, Peacemaker had filler scenes, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But, but in terms of like entire episodes, I think they got the the length right for that show um and apparently you know news is already out that it's been renewed for a second season um so i guess we're getting more of this character i don't know how i feel about that to be quite honest like i don't <laughs> you know i don't know how they're gonna sustain you know uh, uh interest my interest in the second season but um mm-hmm. yeah that's i'm trying to think of what other weekly geekery i've done i mean it's tough because literally the weeks are going by now that I don't know about you, but uh, how your, you know, work is going, but I'm back in the office now mm-hmm. and oh my God, being in an office is such a time suck. Like really? Right. Like, oh yeah. My God. Yeah. It really cha- transforms your entire week. Yeah, it really does. Like I was, I, I finally, you know, we switched from trying to do geek every week to every other week. 
Um, and then we switched uh, my other show, As the Dice Roll. Um, I've taken out two of the six episodes every month so that I have a little bit more time. Because when mm-hmm. I started editing those things, we were still at home. And like first semester, trying to keep up with that and everything else, it was just like, oh, my God, I have no time. And just yeah. making those little – like you just don't realize how much time – Honestly, talking to colleagues, talking to colleagues eats up a lot of time <laughs> and it's not bad time. It's not, it's like, you like, it's just, I find myself talking to people and then you look down and you're like, holy crap, it's time for class to start. I was supposed yeah. to do stuff this period. And yeah. you know, it just, it, it, it's fun. It's nice to be able to be social with people once in a while, but yeah. <laughs> to the detriment of everything else. Yeah. I, I do feel also, and I think this is something that my kind of workplace hasn't fully recognized yet because I do think that it was important for people running things uh, at my job that we re re-engage with each other and sort of get that sociable aspect. I know mm-hmm. some of them have been missing it, you know, a lot, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but for myself and, and the team that I work with, we're so online that we never really stopped engaging with each other. Like, you know, we're, we're on discord or we're texting each other or we're FaceTiming each other or whatever, um, emailing each other. So for us, it's like that, that, that has never been missing. Uh, but now that we're back in the office, it's not like, the way we're set up right now, because we're, we're trying to do things as safely as possible. We're not in each other's offices. We're not actually having any face-to-face interaction. Joe, I drive half an hour to work in the morning. If I'm uh-huh. lucky, it's 40 minutes. I walk into my cubicle or my, my office. It's it's kind of like a, it's, it's an office, but it's like a glorified cubicle. Um, right, right. It's a cubicle with higher walls. Um, mm-hmm. And I sit there and I work on my laptop and I might have a virtual meeting or two. And then I go home. Like there's no, there's no interactions. (laughs) There's nothing for me to do there. You know what I mean? Like, no, there's no in-person meetings. There's no in-person interactions. There's no walk-ins, you know, allowed yet on our campus. There's nothing. I'm doing the exact same thing I could be doing at home, but I have to get up earlier, get dressed, drive, you know, spend gas and time in traffic, driving to work, do the job in, you know, a socially isolated box. (laughs) I don't have my cats around. My partner is not here. I I have to prepare a lunch and bring it with me or go out and spend money buying lunch. Um, You know what I mean? Like I can't get anything else done. Like it's just, what is the purpose? Like, what is the point of us being here? That is completely the opposite of my, of my (laughs) experience. Like the, the way that teachers have been, dealt with in this pandemic is kind of ridiculous. Like there's, mm-hmm. there's stuff on, on um, TikTok all over the place of people making fun of this. And it's kind of like, you have to be, um, you know, six feet away from your students at all time behind this glass. And you can only come <laughs> out and be next to them for 10 seconds at a time. And this this ridiculous amount. Of, and that was like the first month. And then the next month is no, you should be okay to just be generally around the kids. If you still need to be behind this, the glass every once in a while, you know, that's fine. We understand that, but you know, you should be, be a, then it's like, we don't care. Like we don't care if you're sick, you know, if it was, it was like, if you're sick, you have to stay home for 10 days. We don't want to see you. You have to test 15 times. Now it's like, 
um, if you test positive, just wear like an extra mask. Yeah. Um, because we need you here. And, um, oh, you know, it's just, it's just like, it's it, like, I have not been socially isolated since August. Like, it's just like, we just can't between the kids. And, and, and again, the first week we were back after winter break, it was like, I was teaching to like a third of the kids right. because they were all sicking out. And, yeah. and it was yeah. like, <laughs> it's like, this is where, when are the zombies coming? Because it'll yeah. be, you know, teachers and that single student sitting there going, all right, well, now what? <laughs> um, this is going to be fine. It's just Will Smith is going to fix this. Yeah, that's, wow. I, it's like, I understand, obviously, you know, the, the desire to, go back to some semblance of like normalcy, but that's no, instead it's just kind of driving everyone nuts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's the, the, and the, and the rules that we, we get yeah. passed to us. They're like, they're like, uh, you know, you have to, on the first day of school from the new semester, we need your seating chart because we need to like follow exposure and everything else. Yeah. That's and right. It's kinda, and it's kind of like, okay, but the, the, the answer is yes. <laughs> yes, we have all been exposed. Yes, yep. yes. It's just at this point, it's just kind of like, are, are we sick enough to stay home? Okay, great. Otherwise, it's going to have to be business as usual because you don't have enough subs. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have enough. You know, the kids are not even there. Like, like, and why are we? Why are we going through these steps anymore? Like, stop as, pretending. As depressing as this all is, it's like the the only thing that I'm really. Uh, I just, I, I have this like looming sort of like ominous feeling of like, is this another window between variants? And I hope not. Um, there's mm -hmm. definitely a couple that <laughs> we're keeping our eye on mm -hmm. that are, you know, all have already presented themselves as a potential problem that are spreading. And the question is, are we going to be able to keep the numbers down or, or, or lowering, I should say, because the numbers are not really down. They're just kind of slowed a little bit. Or is this going to be another thing where we have this little window of where we venture back out before everyone starts getting sick again and, mm -hmm. the, you know, sort of panic sets in and we all head back inside again. Right. Um, well, I can tell you they're never going to send the teachers back in. Like, right. like we are, we are like, we will be on the front lines for the rest of our lives <laughs> because yeah. it's like, we don't want the kids at home. And I understand yeah. that because they shouldn't be at home. Like the, the damage that was done in 16 months of kids being at home by themselves. Like I get it, but yeah, if you're signing up to be a teacher right now, first of all, don't. And second <laughs> of all, no, like, I mean, it's, it's not worth it right now. Like I'm hoping that this will lead to change down the line, but it's going to be a good five to 10 years before it does. I think, just sending the kids home and and that's it is the bigger problem. I mean, mm -hmm. if, if kids could be home because both kids and parents had the resources and the support that they needed in order to make that more functional, you know, more, more mm -hmm. functional, more functional, I should say. Um, I think that's, that makes more sense than just sending them home and giving no one any sort of support, whether it's financial, whether it's, you know, um, some kind of scaffolding that provides, <laughs> that provides, you know, uh, uh, 
a better learning environment uh, where people are not stressed out, where capitalism isn't happening and crush so slowly crushing everyone into, um, you know, poverty. I mean, that's there's bigger things here that have, you know, having the schools closed points out and highlights. And that's yeah. where people go, oh, shit, we don't have answers for this. So let's let's. Well, that's the thing. We do. <laughs> yeah, we do. They just nobody wants to do it. Um, like I, I have become very nihilistic in the last last six months, where it's kind of like, like I was watching, and I'm going to talk about this because I'm very excited. Um, I've been ta- watching a whole bunch of Multiverse of Madness, um, new Rockstar videos. Yeah, one where, <laughs> and there's one where Eric Voss is talking about um, X Men Last Stand, not Last Stand, uh, X Men. Um, uh, Days of Future Past, and he's like, which takes place in 2023, and then he kind of does this side eye, and he's like, which the way the world's going really isn't too far off, and I'm kind of like that. I'm kind of like, you know, <laughs> the world's collapsing around us. Yeah, I'm not going to worry about whether this kid's passing or not. We're going to be just, we're going to just go along with the day. It's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. Oh God, those. Let's get into those new Rockstar videos a little bit because. Uh, I've also been watching some of them. Not all of them. There are a lot. There are, are a lot. It's, they you can't get through all of them. <laughs> they they post really, one every day. Yeah, they really do. They're milking it for everything. We're, we're kind of, with Multiverse of Madness, we're kind of back into the WandaVision theorizing, which I'm not saying is a bad thing. Like, it's so much fun to do this, and New Rockstars is probably the best at it. Um, what, which ones have you watched and what does it have you excited for? Well, first of all, I want, I want to say that if you just don't want any spoilers, then, go <laughs> um, because really we're going to be spoilers though. Are they spoilers? Well, I mean, like, I hope so because that means we're right. And that's always fun. Um, <laughs> yeah. but, but yeah, so if you don't want to know anything about, it, if you're somebody who avoids even trailers, like go away and just watch this after March, like it's fine. Um, or after May rather. Um, but Okay, so my favorite theory right now is that we are living in a post-House of M universe. I love that idea. Like, that it is all, we have all been gaslit into thinking that there are no mutants. Yeah. And that's because Wanda went, nope. And so the the theory is, is that there are actually two Wandas. The Wanda that erased all of mutants, and then our Wanda, and that the bat one of the big battles is going to be between the two Wandas. Yeah. One who's angry and bitter and vengeful and one who's just sad and heartbroken and wants to just wants her kids. Yeah. Which I hope by the end of it, we end up with a good Wanda again. I don't, I don't want an evil Wanda. Wanda. Yeah. Yeah. I want, I want to see in whatever the next big Avengers movie is. I want to see, Wanda fighting alongside everybody else. That's that's right. my biggest goal for at the end of all of this. Is that's my hope is that we have a a a more stable, but let's not let's not let's not just erase and ignore the trauma she's been through, but somebody who's working through and dealing with the trauma she's been through. So, if we're in a post House of M universe, which is I also love that. Um. Did she say no more mutants, period? Or did she say no more mutants except for the X-Men that are existing, but we just they're just like undercover? 
Um, I don't know. I kind of think it's a no more mutants period because we just haven't seen hide nor hair of any of them. Okay. Okay. Um, the other thing that like, have you, have you started putting together the Illuminati yet? Mm-hmm. Okay. Who, who do you think's in the Illuminati so far? Um, God, I don't think we're getting a, uh, Tom Cruise superior Iron Man. No, I don't think we are either. Okay, cool. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I don't think we're getting a Reed Richards either. Nope. Okay, cool. <laughs> wow, we're, okay, we're on the same page here. Well, I only, I only know, I only have three theories right now. I only have three of the seven seats. Okay, there's seven seats. Holy well, because because there's three, a blank space, and three, and that blank space is for Xavier's chair. Right. So Xavier's one. Um, I think Mordo is another. Yes, absolutely. Right? Yes. Uh, God, some some of the readings of that silhouette where people are like, "Oh, it's this random character that has a like a stick sticking out of his back." It's like, no, it's just Mordo. Like, why are you over? Just Mordo. You just see him right yeah. there. Like he's <laughs> right there. <laughs> exactly. I also think the Superior Iron Man falls into that category of like just really reaching, just stretching the the realms of like possibility of like what Marvel even wants to. What kind of can of worms Marvel you wants to open? It's like, no, no, they're not going to do all that. Um, I think for sure. So Professor X, Mordo, um, I wouldn't be surprised to see Monica or, or her mom in there. Uh, I don't I don't think that that is Monica or, or Maria. Oh, um, really? No, I don't think it is either. Because if you look, I'm pretty sure that there is a goatee there. Oh, I don't know, man. I'm, I've seen other screenshots where... It doesn't look like a guy at all. Well, I mean, I think it has, it does have, like, everybody's like, it has lady hips. Um, but I think it's just kind of like an embellishment, like almost like, um, mm. like just a ridiculously big belt. Like you, mm. like you see it when you see in um, old time armor, the space that went around um, uh, a knight's waist was kind yeah. of a little bit more bulbous than the rest of the, the suit. So I think it's kind of designed like that. But I think it is um, the Iron Lad version of Kang, filling oh. the filling filling the Iron Man filling the Iron Man role. Oh, I was gonna say I wouldn't be surprised if we get a Robert Downey Jr. cameo. No, I don't think we will. I think he's done, and mm. I think any any Iron Man we get from now on is gonna be a variant or a, a sequel. Okay, yeah, that makes sense though. The Iron Lad because they are obviously working towards. The Young Avengers. And they've talked about um, how, and but I mean, like, it's not a, I don't think it's a young Iron Lad either. I think it's like if Iron Lad grows up. So it'll be Iron Man, but it will be a Kang version of Iron Man. Right, right. I also don't think this is the Illuminati straight from the comics either. Oh, no, like, no, no, no. Like, there's no reason to have Black Bolt in there. Um, there may be a different version of Doctor Strange, like a multiverse version of Doctor Strange, but not the one. I think that that's Baron Mordo. I think Baron Mordo is the oh, yeah. supreme that makes character. Sense. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I think I think there's going to be an Eternal on there. Oh, okay. I think there is going to be a uh, somebody. Somebody has said that there's going to be a um, that um, Captain Carter is one of them. Yeah, I like that one. And I like that one because you do need yeah. a woman on the the Illuminati because there weren't in the first one. And we see how that what at that where that one, one. <laughs> we, yeah, we at least a, one. Where's the token? Let's get a woman. token one. Yeah. Um, 
so yeah, so I think I think that you're gonna see her. I don't know who the other. Let's see. So so we have an Eternal. We have Captain um, Carter, Xavier. So we have five. So that means we have two more that we don't haven't Who's kind of the, figured oh, out yeah. yet. Okay. Right. Um, but I like the way you're approaching this with like, what are the MCU properties that probably will have representation? And that's how you arrived at the Eternals one. That makes sense. That's mm-hmm. yeah. Um, I guess Professor X covers the X-Men. Yeah. Um, anything, anyone else from what if? Besides I don't think we're going to get any more for, I don't think we're going to get any money for what if. And I think Captain Carter is kind of the human element. I think. The King Iron Man is more of the kind of time variant element. What about one and of the two Wandas? I don't think we'll have a Wanda. I think Wanda's kind of the the antithesis of the Illuminati. Like mm-hmm. they're the they're the order, she's the chaos. Okay. What about a lot of a lot of lists uh have are speculating a Black Panther? A back uh, yeah, I think that might be the way of getting a Black Panther back in without having um uh, Chadwick um, Boseman, um, yeah, playing the role because I can't imagine us not going forward with a Black Panther, and I don't think it's going to be um, Shuri because that's a hot mess. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and and if you had like when you sent me that thing about Angelina Lilly, <laughs> I'm like, really? Come on. Yeah, Wasp is an anti-vaxxer. I mean, like. As somebody said, somebody one of the one of the comments was just like as as Marvel quickly tries to keep all of its actors from using social media in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> just stop typing things in. Yeah, seriously. Uh, but is, um, I love all of this speculating. I don't even care. I'm not. None of my enjoyment is attached to any um to to any hope that any of it is true or correct. Oh, right. It's just fun to just geek out about it. This is the, this is the modern comic book shop, like, you know, geeky conversation now is happening in these videos on YouTube. Yeah. And I have a feeling that there is in some way, this is going to connect to the celestials because I do think that this entire phase is the celestials because I believe from, from one of the new rock stars videos that I saw on uh, Thor: Love and Thunder. Um, have you watched that one yet? No, I haven't. Well, the one with the it's about the like what we know from the Lego toys, right? No, I haven't watched that one yet. Oh my god, Ray! <laughs> no spoilers. Okay, no spoilers. I will tell you. Um, but <laughs> it does sound like there's going to be like a lot of celestial stuff in it, which makes sense because you still got um, that's cool. Uh, Star Lord. Yeah, who is connected to the Celestials? So this has got to connect to the Celestials somehow, right? Right. I wonder when they're going to pick up from the end of Eternals. Probably Thor, you know, right? As opposed to Multiverse of Madness. Mm, also, when are you, they going to pick up from the end of Shang Chi? I think that's going to be in Phase Five. Oh shit! Okay. Yeah, I think I think we're getting we're getting the first movie of each like thread, and they're only going to start coming together in phase five. Um, do we know what the phase five movies are? <laughs> I hear you typing. I know you're you're looking um, at the same thing I am. <laughs> 
I don't think we're looking at the same thing. Uh, because I'm trying to remember what happened uh, in the extra credit in the extra scenes of Shang Chi because I know they go off. Um, who who shows up to to? Is it Wong? Somebody shows up to yeah, say, "Yeah, Wong hey. shows up to recruit them as Avengers." Okay, so when are we getting that? I don't think we're going to wait till Phase Five for that. Do you? I I do. Okay, so so we're almost done with Phase Four. Phase Four is WandaVision, wow. Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Loki, Black Widow, What If, Shang Chi, Eternals, Hawkeye, Spider Man No Way Home. All we have left is Doctor Strange, Ms. Marvel, and Thor: Love and Thunder. Oh, I wasn't. I don't know why I'm. I'm not even thinking of counting the Disney Plus shows as parts of the phases. Yeah, they. I. They've basically because because they're because they're canon. Yeah. Um, that's what we're getting, and then they say that Phase Four or Phase Five is Black Panther, Guardians of the Galaxy, The Marvels. Mm-hmm. Um, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, Blade and She-Hulk. And I guess Ms. Marvel in there too. Oh no, Ms. Marvel's in this phase. We don't get the Marvels until next phase. Wow. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, that's a lot. You're right. We're almost done with phase four. Holy shit. Yeah, we're almost, it just feels like, it feels like we shouldn't be because so many of them are TV series. Yeah. And we're used to having more movies closer together. But when you think about phase one, phase one was six movies. Phase two was six movies. Phase three was two, four, six, eight, 10, 11 movies. So we're used to phase three stuff. But if you go to phase four, we've got, and we just do movies, we've got Black Widow, Shang-Chi, Eternals, Spider-Man, Doctor Strange, and Thor. So there's your six movies. Mm. You know what's crazy? I'm looking up Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania. Mm-hmm. And Quantumania, principal photography was completed in November 2021. Mm-hmm. Isn't that crazy? It's in the can already in terms of you know principal photography. So obviously they're doing post-production, which is huge on these movies. So it's going to take a long time. But this is set to be released uh, next year. So they complete filming principal photography anyway, a year and a half before the movie is actually even going to come out. It's nuts. Well, I know. We saw a little bit of that with the the talk about why um, Okoye and and Captain Marvel didn't play a bigger role in mm-hmm. um, Endgame. It's because yeah. they didn't know who the characters were really because those movies hadn't come out yet. Yeah. Yeah, um, that's that's wild. I, yeah, I just I'm really enjoying this part of the MCU with like between projects where they they've given us enough with the lead up to Multiverse of Madness to like really get all the the theories going, which I it's just so cool. And I thought um, it was kind of done by the time we got to Loki. I was right. like, you know what, I'm right. fine. Like whatever you do, you guys, I trust you. You're fine. And then you start throw well, Far From Home. Or uh, no way home. That in and of itself was a mind mind blow. Like, yeah, I think that it, where, where Hawkeye kind of kept things, you know, uh, how do I put it? Like the speculation wasn't crazy there because it didn't need to be because the story didn't call for it, right. which is fine. Um, Spider Man blew it all up again. 
Right, and, because because it made everything possible. Like all your yes. crazy theories of them bringing in other yes. other movie franchises is all of a sudden no, really, we're willing to do that. Which I love that this is potentially kind of the rhythm we're going to fall into with the MCU with there's going to be lulls of speculation, which is totally fine because the stories themselves are enjoyable. And then there's going to be times where the speculation really ramps up and, you know, we get all of this activity, which is also fun. But it can be fatiguing if it just keeps going on. You know? Yeah, so on the ebb and flow of it is not a bad thing. Exactly. Yeah. What other – Um, is there any other weekly geekery uh, – you got up to this week or the last two weeks, I should say, besides I, like we've done a lot. I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> last last weekend, we went out to Phoenix and we did two Chihuly exhibits. Do you know Chihuly? Mm-mm. OK, Chihuly is a glassblower. If you've ever been to the Bellagio Hotel in um, Vegas, there's a ceiling made out of glass flowers and that's all his stuff. And like Ray, his stuff is gorgeous. Like, it's insane. I'm going to send you something through uh, Facebook real fast so you can see what I'm talking about. But um, he does these really beautiful glass installations. And for us, it's kind of um, a, like, has an additional meaning because we saw uh, his big exhibit in Seattle on our honeymoon. Mm. And so we just really love Chihuly stuff. And so, yeah, I just sent it to you. This is a, a six by 12 by eight foot glass installation oh wow isn't that beautiful yeah whoa and i'll I'll put some pictures up on the on the show notes but so we did that and that was just fun and then um we on our drive out there we started listening to and i know i'm late to the party on this one uh my favorite murder because we're all about the true crime stuff Mm. And it's ridiculous. It's these two women, and they're just so – it's such dark humor because it's like a comedy podcast about true crime. And, you know, they talk about how they're like, we're not, we're not, we're not disturbed individuals. We are trying to cope with these horrible things that, that happen in the world by giving, a, by, by giving it a little bit of a, a, a sense of humor so that you can it's, – it's that whole, we're going to laugh about it because otherwise we'd be crying. And we just don't want to be. We just don't want to be murdered. So we're just studying up to make sure we do all the right things. Yeah. Um, so we watched. We listened to the that podcast back and forth from Phoenix, and just had a a, a good time with it all. Cool. It's so funny to me how it's like it from from us talking about horror movies and stuff and the zombie stuff like. Matt sounds like he's really not down with some of the really darker shit unless it's presented in a, <laughs> in a humorous way and then it can be really dark. <laughs> but have have you seen have you seen Train to Busan yet? Yeah. Okay, Matt loved that movie. Oh wow. Loved <laughs> that movie. And I'm like you like horror, you're just not you're just not used to it yet. You haven't fully de- right. you haven't fully desensitized yourself to it. Right. And that really is Train to Busan is like action horror. Yeah. Yeah. Right? It's a really good movie. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Wow, you got seen, a lot of- um all of us are dead yet? No. What? I, that I just that just sounds great. <laughs> well, it's a, it's another it's another Korean um zombie movie and it takes place in a high school. Oh, it's a show. And- it's a season. Is it a season? It says one season one. Oh, I didn't well, even. I thought it was just a movie. I didn't realize it was a TV show. That changes things. Then, <laughs> like I could just add that to our to our uh, 
our list. I think Matt would be down for that. Oh yeah. But I think Rosie would be down for this too. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it sounds like it's really good. Katie, um, Katie's been afraid. And that's the, that's the last thing I have to say. And then we'll get off of our weekly geekery. All of um, us are dead is a South Korean coming of age zombie apocalypse horror. <laughs> yeah. Although Katie warned that it was, um, she's like, you, you were not going to like the characters cause they're all stupid teenagers. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, but speaking of Katie, so last night, um, our friend Steph from uh, the Slack channel, she's always in our Slack channel, uh, she was down from Oregon. So I actually met up with Matt and I drove out to Anaheim and met up with Katie, Steph, um, our listener Chelsea, and um, Katie's roommate Becca. And we had a Korean barbecue and then went out for boba. Um, and it was one wonderful. We had a lot of fun. That sounds great. Yeah. So. Yeah. So cool. Hello to all of you guys. Thank you for coming out. It was fun. <laughs> oh, man. Now, anything else from your your Dude, geek, no, I feel like, kind of, feel like kind of a slacker now. <laughs> <laughs> Going, I haven't adjusted yet to, like, spending four days out of my week, you know, back somewhere in a specific location that I have to remain. It, the days seem shorter. You know, I get uh-huh, home and uh-huh. it's like, oh, it's already time to. Get ready for bed. Okay. Um, so, no, but I'm sure in the coming weeks I will adjust and, and ramp up the geekery again. But um, well, don't, don't get me wrong. I'm exhausted. <laughs> so, <laughs> so don't, don't rush it. <laughs> but uh, no, I'm, I'm, I can't wait for this conversation we're about to have about uh, X Men The Last Stand and uh, X Men Origins Wolverine. Yeah. All right, so we're going to go to break, and then we'll come back, and we will talk about these movies. I think, I think I'm going to surprise Ray with some of my takes. All right, we'll be right back. When toxic culture has you down. When you're just looking to laugh and have fun. Kick back and enjoy watching a video game. Or just make some new friends. It's time to visit the Geek2Geek Media Network. A community of podcasters, streamers, and bloggers. Well, more of a family than a community. All dedicated to geeking out about the things we love. Things like video games, Star Wars, comics, movies, K-pop, Disney Plus, Keanu Reeves, new, or whatever our community decides is the next best thing. That's right. We have a great online community on Slack and Discord where we chat about our weekly geekery with listeners and viewers. And each other. Yep. And each other in real time. And we can't wait for you to join us. So come check us out at geek2geekmedia.com. And escape toxic fandom for something much more... Keanu? Yes. Keanu. And we're back. And we are covering... uh, X Men Last Stand and or- Origins X Men arguably the two of the three worst movies <laughs> in the X Men franchise. Uh, yeah, no kidding. Did you did you watch these back to back or did you space them out? I watched them back to back. Oh, I watched them. I watched them them yesterday before recording um, our cautious optimism episode. And I had like 20 minutes left of Wolverine to watch after we were done. But um, honestly, I'm just going to go right out and say it. I think that we have given last Stand a much worse rap 
than mm. it deserves. I think mm. it is not. I I I know where the problems lie, but I don't think it's as bad as we gave it credit for. And that mm. may just be looking back on how bad it can be. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's interesting. I've sort of I, I'm the opposite of you. I actually kind of liked it when it came out. I didn't really. I guess I understood the hate, but it just didn't bother me as much, the things that people mm-hmm, hated mm-hmm. about it. And now, looking back, I'm like, wow, this is really bad. Um, so, yeah. And and I spaced them out. I could not. I didn't want to do that. <laughs> I didn't. No, no. I, you, know. you had other You had other people to consider. I, yes. I, just, I just basically, <laughs> I procrastinated. I was like, I don't want to do this. <laughs> I don't want to do this. Uh, oh, yeah. We watched The Last Stand last week. And uh, we do this thing where we watch like recaps of the previous films just to like, you know, make sure it's everything's fresh in our minds. And, mm-hmm. and uh, I remember saying after the last dance, so, you know, they did this, right? <laughs> this happened. And then it, it, it wasn't well received. And you would think if you're Fox, well, oh, okay. We, that didn't go as well as we'd hoped, but hey, you know what? We got a Wolverine solo movie coming up, which is a slam dunk. So nothing to worry about. We're gonna write the ship with this next movie. You know, we're we're gonna we're, we're gonna finally get to focus on the only character that we care about anyway. Right. So it's gonna be fine. And instead, we get the worst, possibly the worst X Men movie of all of them that they made. It's so bad. It's <laughs> so bad. The only reason why I still put Dark Phoenix, I put, I still put Dark Phoenix, Phoenix at the bottom, but that's because a they'd already made that movie, so they had a chance to fix it and didn't. And and two, um, at least they were try- like there was too much fan service in X Men Origins, like too much, like that Wolverine movie. There's like they they tried to do all the right things in all the wrong ways. Yeah, I think we should. I, I I feel like the term fan service is up for debate here because is it really fan service if it's pissing off the fans? Like it's not, you know what I mean? It's it's more like um it's more like stupid executive service. <laughs> like but I, I don't I honestly don't think it was, especially seeing what else they've done to quote unquote do fan service, is that it's like they honestly thought oh, people are going to love this because we're going to do this, we're going to do that, and they're going to actually get Deadpool, and it's going to be great. And it's like that was what their brain was doing, and yet what they were implementing was so not that. So in their mind, I think they were like, oh, look at all the fan service, and and we're going to go deep with deep cuts, and people are going to be like, oh, they did deep cuts. Okay, but it wasn't. But fan service was not actually the result. So that's no, why I'm no, like, no, not at all. <laughs> so, so someone says to me, "Wolverine Origin Origins Wolverine has a bunch of fan service." And I'm like, "No, it doesn't." What are you talking about? It has that is, none of that is serving the fans whatsoever. But they but they tried so hard and failed so miserably. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So let, let's start off with the last dance since that one did. You know, it, it's the end of the trilogy of the first X Men trilogy. We uh-huh. have. Brett Ratner, famous for directing the Rush Hour films. Um, did I ever tell you that I stopped dating somebody because she told me her favorite movie was Rush Hour 2? Yes. Yes, okay. that is yeah. an infamous. <laughs> that is very infamous Ray moment. <laughs> okay. Um, that was more like the last straw. It wasn't really. Right, that was, right. That, that was my last stand. Um, 
Um, the, so the thing for me about this movie that it, it's the X-Men as if nobody cared. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which is, which rings true for Brett Ratner. Like that checks out. Right. Right. He doesn't care about the X-Men. No. Um, he, he just sees it as like these super powered people doing cool shit. And that's mm-hmm. pretty much what the movie aims for and nothing else. Right. Um, Wolverine is the main character again, but this time to such a degree <laughs> that almost no one else in the movie is of any consequence, which is crazy because you have a shitload of mutants in this movie. Well, and not only that, but it's like he doesn't do anything. <laughs> like, like yeah, there is nobody no point. does anything. <laughs> nobody does anything in this movie. I, I, I don't. I think. I think this movie suffers from the same problem that Spider Man Three did. Is that we're going to try and shove everything into this movie when we don't have mm. to? This should not be. This should not have been a Dark Phoenix movie. This right. should have been. This should have been just the, um, the cure. The cure. What is it? God. God creates. Man kills. Is that what the the storyline is i thought the last movie was based on that no with uh with um reverend striker instead of you know general striker or whatever god Um, loves man kills (laughs) we're both furious type (laughs) uh was that x-men 2 yeah that was x2 yeah, um, yeah. Okay, so so then what the, is it the legacy movie, virus? No, it's not. No, no, either. it's not the legacy virus. It's it's the it's the the mutant cure. Whatever whatever storyline that takes place in, it's the mutant cure. <laughs> so guess what? I came across. I watched a YouTube video about this film because uh, the New York Stars hasn't done one, and that mutant cure storyline mm-hmm. was adapted from the '90s animated series, Joe. Oh. <laughs> Yes. I'm like, oh, Joe's going to love this. Oh, <laughs> yes. Well, there's there's your problem. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, but I think if they had just stuck to that, that mm-hmm. in itself can be its own compelling story. Yes. yes. Do you, skip, skip the, skip the Dark Phoenix stuff. Let everybody run the course. You don't have Cyclops because he's recording Superman. So, and he's not re- like, he's not recording the good Superman. And he's not even playing Superman. Um, so what's funny is that the reason they stuck Dark Phoenix in there <laughs> and like had, like smashed these two storylines that had no business being smashed together in the same movie is because one of the writers, a couple of the writers really pushed for it. They really wanted to do the Dark Phoenix saga. One of those writers was Simon Kinberg. The guy who ended up redoing the Phoenix Saga again later oh. on. <laughs> it's the same guy who directed the Dark Phoenix. <laughs> you, sir, I have know a special place in hell. <laughs> yeah, okay. man. So that's so why, this- because this, you're right. There's no reason for Dark Phoenix story to be in this movie. No, and I have, and I feel like I have, I, I, I'm a relatively humble individual. 
but I do feel like I can fix these movies. <laughs> and and all you had to do was keep it to the to the mutant cure storyline. Mm-hmm. Have you you keep everything about Cyclops that you were able to to do, like his whole um not people like it's a great it is a great line. Not pe- people don't heal even even uh Lyle, who I did not like these movies. <laughs> he sounded very angry in his reviews. Um it, it is a good line. Not everybody heals as quickly as you do Logan. Yeah, that's great. Like keep right up to there. And then you don't have him for this movie. So let him go. And then <laughs> yeah. bring him back for the Dark Phoenix movie. Right. Right. You Which know, happens and then, in the comic books all the time. Characters right. come and go. It's yeah. like you've you've explained to us why he's left. He can't deal with Gene's death. It makes complete sense. Just let him go. And then yeah. you don't have to worry about quote unquote killing him off. Just just let him go. What about and then what about you're right go go dive into the cure plot from that point on Mm -hmm. and then mid-credit scene cyclops at the lake crying where she died hears his voice rocks rocks levitate boom done stop there stop there Yes, beautiful. And then, and then that next movie, she's not evil from the get go. She's working with them. You do some really cool. Take advantage of doing some like really cool. We're the X Men team stuff, and people going, "Holy shit, Jean's like really powerful." And then, and then you just see it progress badly for the rest of the movie. How about next movie? She's Madeline Pryor. It's not even Jean. Oh, that would be weird. <laughs> Um, is that what happens in the comics? No, 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 no. <laughs> in in the comics, she becomes Phoenix. It's not really. It's a, I'm I'm not even going to say spoilers because this is like from the eighties. Um, she she quote unquote becomes Phoenix, but then they retcon it that it's not actually Jean Grey that comes out of the water. It is uh, it is the Phoenix Force taking her form. Right, but I'm and- talking about pre retcon at what point is madeline Pryor introduced she's introduced after the dark phoenix saga right after gene gray dies right so she right. she so you're saying just introduce madeline Pryor and don't even do um dark phoenix no no no. well right i'm saying like s- skip not skip but like make madeline Pryor be the 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 character through which we get to the the Dark Phoenix saga. Let's see. I think that does disservice to Madeline Pryor because the I, I want to see I want to see a Madeline Pryor um, Goblin Queen in the new MCU. Like I want to see that. It's such a ridiculously <laughs> awful idea. Why are you doing that, that I, to the future X Men MCU, Joe? Stop. Because <laughs> come on, it is. It would be. Epic. This is why we can't have nice things. <laughs> <laughs> so, for those of you who don't know, because we're talking, we're talking like really deep cuts in in Marvel. Um, so, so Phoenix dies in the Dark Phoenix Saga, and then, um, and then Cyclops hard rebounds with this woman who looks very similar to Jean Grey, named Madeline Pryor, who turns out to be a Jean Grey clone. Yes. Um. And so then when they find the Fantastic Four find that Jean Grey is actually alive in a cocoon at the bottom of the Hudson um, and 
she comes back into everybody's life. Cyclops drops Madeline Pryor like a hot potato and goes <laughs> running back to Jean. And at this point, he has had a son with this woman. Yeah. And she is so distraught because he's not honest with her. Nowhere in this is there ever a conversation where he goes, I love this woman. Um, it's not fair to you, but I have to explore my, my – like there's no communication. It's just he disappears. He just abandons his wife and kid. This is why so many people hate Cyclops because this like this decision right there for a lot of people is just not forgivable. Mm-hmm. And um, and so in her, in her anguish um, – uh, Basically, demons twist her mind and powers, and she becomes this entity known as the Goblin Queen, and just wreaks havoc on New York. Right, right. See, so you're, you're right. I had the the story part sort of like out of order. Mm-hmm. I do like the idea of Scott being with Madeline, and then Jean coming back to life. But right. I forgot that the way the movies fuck this up <laughs> is that Jean doesn't even get to be the Dark Phoenix before she fucking dies. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, she needs to be. She needs to be the Phoenix, then the right. Dark Phoenix, right. then die. Right, but she dies before she even, and then she comes back as the Dark Phoenix. Oh my god. Okay. Oh lordy, and you know what? I I do have to say though, there there's, I kind of like some stuff about how they handle evil gene. Like I feel like she's properly scary. It's, it's not a terrible, like it's not as bad as we make it out to be. Like there are good things about it. It's just, they shouldn't have squished the two concepts together for you. What are some of the good things about not, not the whole last stand movie, but in particular, the way they handle gene turning into the dark Phoenix. What are, what, what are some good things for you about it? I don't love the the fact that they made her a split personality, but I do like the way that that allowed for those moments of Jean having these like "What am I doing?" moments. Mm-hmm. I yeah. thought those were very powerful. It lets her at the end go, you know, Logan, kill me. Um, so, so in the original story, the Phoenix Force is a thing that uh, possesses Jean, right? Yes, yeah, when well, they're in space. Yes, she she. If you go through the retcon, and for oh. those of you who we, we've explained, <laughs> the retcon is simply a bar bet with Kurt Busick, who is like, he's like, you- I can ret- I can retcon anything, and they're like, they're like the death of Jean Grey, and he's like, done, and they actually did it. Okay, but fuck the retcons for now. I'm just talking about like the the, the timeline, the, ori- right? the, ori- the original Dark Phoenix story, the original Dark Phoenix story. There, the X Men are in space. A, mm-hmm. a wave of energy or something overtakes the ship, right? And she's yes. kind of like, and that's the Phoenix Force, uh, basically like merging or melding with Jean. Um, the the spaceship, like like in the Dark Phoenix movie, they're in space. the The spaceship is going to crash. Um, she holds it together in an unshielded part of the ship. Mm. And so she's going to die of radiation poisoning. Mm. And instead of dying, the Phoenix force kind of the original intent was the Phoenix force merges with her body Mm -hmm. and gives her all this extra power so that she can survive it. Because Mm -hmm. there's always this connection between Jean gray and the Phoenix force. Mm. And so um, the Phoenix force is taking advantage of this as a way to experience what it's like to be, 
a mortal entity. And this entity. is where Xavier has to step in and create these blocks. Um, no, he actually never creates blocks for her in the original storyline. In oh. retcons, that's all retcon stuff. God, dude, I can't, I can't even keep track of what's retconned and what isn't anymore because yeah. because I thought part of the original story was also that Mastermind's manipulation of Gene is what causes the the Phoenix Force to then sort of take over and turn her into Dark Phoenix. It is, but then they retcon it to be that the Dark Phoenix is its own Phoenix Force and that Jean Grey is actually preserved under the Hudson. Oh, God, that's okay. This is so confusing. It is very confusing. It, but like, like but, once you get once you get it, you get it. And you're like, OK, I see the brilliance in this, but it was unnecessary. <laughs> oh, so wait, part of the. OK. The retcon did. Did what? The retcon made made it so that I, I just I want to get the first thing straight before we start dipping into retcons. So okay, uh, uh, so, so, so they're on the ship. She gets possessed by the Phoenix Force. Mm-hmm. Um, they come back to Earth, and what? She's just super powerful now. She's just Phoenix. So she's she's super powerful now, and she feels like she 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 feels very different. She feels more powerful. All of a sudden, she basically her telekinesis works on a molecular level. So she right. can pretty much do anything she wants. Which was not part of Jean Grey's original mutant power. No. Okay, this is now all amplified and boosted and interwoven with the Phoenix Force, which is this terrifying cosmic entity. Right. Okay, got it. And then so th- she's back with the X-Men on Earth. She has this ridiculous power set. And then what? That's when Mastermind starts fucking with her? Yeah, so then Mastermind, like the the Hellfire Club in their scantily clad Victorian um, <laughs> costumes, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, totally. Um, they they want to use her because they realize how powerful she is, so they but, use. But her powers are not a problem at this point. No, got it. So Mastermind kind of makes her think that she's this turn of the century, not even though no, like this like Revolutionary War Victorian era era. I know those right. are different, but one of those two. Um, it's yeah, it's it's totally fucking random. <laughs> yeah, it, like makes makes her think that she's this like kept woman and and you know unable to, um, you know basically basically <laughs> way back in the day when women had zero rights, um, and kind of uses that as you know you have to do what your husband tells you and all this kind of stuff. He manipulates her. He manipulates her to think that she's this like weak, yeah, harmless woman, and then he can kind of tell her what to do with her powers. Right. And so he's using her for as part of the Hellfire Club. That's how they sort of co-opt her power set. Right. And so then when the pendulum swings from her being completely submissive to become completely dominant and she breaks through and she's kind of like, how dare you keep me like this? Which we don't we don't understand. We don't there's nothing specific that happens that causes that pendulum to swing. She just sort of like slowly uh, like overpowers his mind control of her. It's a little bit of that. And if I remember correctly, because it's been a while, it's it's a combination between that and the X-Men trying to free her from their control. That Scott, makes her doesn't, realize- doesn't Scott go get in there he, through his his mind meld with her, his their psionic link, and he goes in there and he's the one because he also comes out in that in that weird you know inner reality in her brain that Mastermind is creating. Scott also shows up as one of those like in one of those eras costumes. Yeah, and I yeah, think I think he, so. 
he kind of talks her back to like, you know, reminding her who she is. Yeah. And so, but then like, as soon as she like breaks out of that, she's like, how dare you confine me? I am not just Phoenix. I am dark Phoenix. And then she eats a planet of broccoli people. (laughs) Got it. So she, (laughs) yeah, she eats a planet of broccoli people. That's great. So (laughs) that's so true. For those of you who are like, what? No, I'm I'm telling you, like it is a planet and the people look like, like (laughs) clusters of broccoli. Like it's their broccoli. she actually eats the star that is their son because she needs power and she causes the sun to explode as suns do. And uh, it, it, you know, consumes the nearby planet that is full of life of broccoli people. So, yep. okay. So then she goes for, to, from super powerful Phoenix, Jean Grey to dark Phoenix through the manipulation, through like being angry and, and like lashing out after what happened uh, with mastermind and the hellfire club, but also isn't it also part of the story that like the Phoenix force is just causing her to sort of lose her touch with reality. What not with, with her humanity. Yeah. She's and losing she, her humanity. Yeah. She's thinking she's a God basically at this point. Right. Yeah. And so, and so the Phoenix, so that's where you get the split personality. You've got the Phoenix force. Who's like, mm-hmm. you know, all the raw power. And then you've got the original Jean gray. Who's mm-hmm. in that, brain space and then every time she has a moment of clarity she's like oh my god what have i done okay so but then they bring her back to being just phoenix and and they they solve the problem sort like of. They, they well yeah in, in their minds they're like okay well we've got her back she's fine she's still very powerful but it's gene she's fine well the the shiar empire who have they're like they're like the colonizing britain of space um <laughs> Made of bird people, yes, bird people, broccoli people. Um, so they come to the planet and they come to Earth and they're like, "I'm sorry, this woman just ate a just ate a star and destroyed a planet. Like, you can't do that and go unpunished." And honestly, that's the conversation going on in the Marvel um, editorial room at that time. They're like, "Jean Grey just destroyed a planet. We can't possibly have her running around with no consequences. Well, she it's going to be hard for to build her as a protagonist at this point, you know, that the, that the audience, that the readers can identify with and sympathize with because she's done this horrible thing. She committed, you know, pl- planetary genocide, basically. Yeah, it's, it's on a much smaller level. It's almost what we see going on with Wanda and WandaVision. Yeah, and so the Shi'ar teleport the X-Men onto their ship and basically say... Jean Grey has to die because the Phoenix force is too powerful to allow to it for it to exist in this person. Um, and then the X-Men, you know, in defending her say, well, we'll battle you for the life of Jean Grey. And then it becomes the Shi'ar um, Imperial team or force or whatever versus the X-Men on the moon's surface for the life of Jean Grey. Right, and so, and it's an epic battle, and the gu- the guardians of not the guardians of the galaxy, the um, <laughs> the Shi'ar, uh, the Shi'ar Imperial Guard, yeah, um, they are amazing, fun characters. Like yes. they've all, and they're just they're just cocky as hell. <laughs> <laughs> they are all arrogant assholes. Yeah. Um, but they, um, but you know, they're trying to do the right thing. They're not. They're like they're space cops, is what they are. Mm-hmm. And so, in this big battle on the moon, you know, there's this really touching pre-battle uh, thing where you see each of the X Men trying to figure out where they fit into this 
think, you know, they all love Gene, but they also kind of see the Shiar's point, and that like, and you see each one struggling with how the next bat, how the next day's battle is going to go. This and is the, the brilliance of Claremont because yes, the you know the whole Dark Phoenix story hits so hard because. Claremont is great at taking his time with character development, with plot development, so that when shit goes down, it fucking matters. Like, Mm -hmm. you really get the interior life of these characters and how how much they struggle with the choices they have to make and the challenges that they're facing. And, you know, it's not all black and white. And so... That's, Claremont, it is never black and white. No, no. And I think that's the number one thing. People, I, I, in doing my research for this episode, Joe, I'm seeing people say the Phoenix saga is just something that just can't be adapted. It doesn't work in movies. And I don't think that's true at all, but you have to take the time to make you it. You have to take the time something. with it. Yeah. yeah. And we have exactly. to love those characters. When, when Natasha sacrifices herself in Endgame, mm-hmm. you're gutted because you care about her character and you can mm-hmm. and you got you've got like you can't just do natasha sacrificing herself and nobody seeing it right you have to have hawkeye's reaction there to experience it and i do think that that's what last stand gets right is when logan kills gene mm-hmm. you have that moment of doing the right thing but it gutting you right and 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 so that's where you do have that emotional tear, like that yeah. emotional, yeah. For resolving the the completely different storyline and dynamic <sighs> that that they set up, I do think that was an appropriate resolution for that. Given that you know, in these filmmakers' minds, Wolverine was always the main character, and it mm-hmm. was always going to be about his loss and his emotions and his tough choice to make. Um, right. But but in the you know in the comic books, the fact that Jean you know when when they're when the X Men are fighting the Shi'ar Imperial Guard for her life, Jean makes the ultimate decision because the Imperial Guard is winning; they're kicking the X Men's ass, and then Jean, and then the pendulum swings. Yes, yes. <laughs> Dark Phoenix comes back out, and everyone sort of realizes, oh shit, maybe this is maybe we need to get rid of her. But Jean is the one who makes the choice to sacrifice herself. Mm-hmm. Which is such a which is such a huge thing because it, it's so many times we see these decisions being taken out of specifically women characters' mm-hmm. hands, and I've, I've always thought it's been a very good thing that she is part of the decision. Yeah, um, and she she tells she tells Cyclops to kill her. Yeah, and I even think if I remember correctly, there is a little bit of her kind of using his own powers to commit suicide. Like, it's not just him. It's like her kind of forcing his hand because she has, at this point, she has complete control over Cyclops' powers, just like in the movie. Like, she can stop his eyes from firing just with the thought. Right. So I think she kind of forces his hand and, and he is devastated. And it's so much more powerful when it's Cyclops because, like, theirs is a, a long relation, a long established relationship by that point. And yes, Wolverine is always kind of trying to butt himself in there, but it always kind of defaults back to Gene and and Scott. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it ends. The Dark Phoenix saga ends, of course, with the the outro of the Watcher. 
um, which is you always you know you're in for a badass fucking Marvel comic story when it, it's bookended by <laughs> by Uatu coming yeah. in saying what you're about to see is fucking insane. Get ready. <laughs> yeah, when you see that, when you're as a reader, when you start, when you see Uatu show up in a, a comic book, you're like, oh fuck. <laughs> <laughs> and every once in a while, you're like, oh, and then you're like, by the end of it, you're like, oh no, this wasn't a Nuwatu level event, guys. Yeah. This, yeah. this was a, this was a misfire. But most of the time, it's like, uh oh, <laughs> so it'll be bad. So back to the last stand in this film. Where, let's not get into the the fucking retcons of the comic because that makes it turns it into a whole other thing. Right. Uh, in in the last stand, uh, Jean herself has always had this unbelievably uh, insane power set, right? And it was Professor X who kind of, to save her from herself, put in these like mental blocks in her brain to sort of limit her power set. Mm-hmm. And and that process, along with her sort of struggling, you know, internally kind of fighting that uh, restraint is what creates an, a, a multiple personality disorder where she has another personality called the Phoenix. Yeah. Right? And I don't I don't love that explanation, because when he and Magneto go to visit her as a little girl, she's already kind of crazy go nuts. Yeah. And so, <laughs> yeah. And so it's kind of like. All right, so you're basically saying that Jean was always evil, but then Patrick Stewart fixes her, mm-hmm. which is problematic. And then um but that does let her live this lifestyle that where she's not evil. Like it's just so <laughs> there's a lot of there's a lot of problems there. Yeah, but I think that's sort of that's part of what makes it such a fucked up situation, which, you know, which is fine. And again, like, I don't hate this solution for their story purposes, but it's not the dark Phoenix saga. Like it's not, it's (laughs) like they, uh, like Scott is like the first one killed like immediately. Right. (laughs) And it's like, wait a minute. And that's only, that's only done because they couldn't get, James Marsden? Yeah. Marsden? Yeah, Marsden. Um, they can't get him because he was filming Superman. And I still, like, I remember going and watching Superman and going, all right, I want to see this movie that took Cyclops away from us because this better be damn a damn good movie <laughs> for them to get. And he plays a nothing role. Like, he is yeah. such, it's such a horrible thing for him to give up Cyclops for. Yeah. But, um, but all the more reason for them to not. I think this is why people hate this movie so much is that they kill off Cyclops, they kill off Vic Xavier, um, they take away all the mutant powers, <laughs> um, they just kind of decimate, and not in a good way. Like if you're going to decimate a population of characters, mm. you need to do it in an epic way, and it wasn't done in an epic way. Yeah, they it, they sort of ruined all of the um, all of the buildup, all of the you know. All the good stuff that was built up over the first two movies, mm-hmm. uh, just it, there was so much potential for the next story going forward because uh, X two was so well received, and then mm-hmm. they just fucking da- so. So I think people's expectations were also rightfully very high, right? Well, and I remember because because again, we're like this is the first time we get a comic book movie that is decent that has sequels that are decent 
that we can be like, this is really like, these are our favorite characters coming to life on screen. Mm-hmm. And you just killed two of them <laughs> and not in an, and not in an impactful way. Yeah. And so I think that's why so many people have a bad taste in their mouth for this movie going back and watching it. Cause we've, we've now analyzed so many movies like going back and watching it and saying, okay, I see where their flaws are. I see like you can pull out the, 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 the pieces of good movie that were there. I think, yeah, I think Ratner and, and the studio were thinking, let's give them more mutants, which mm-hmm. we got a ton of mutants in this movie. Let's many give of them, them not well done at all. No, <laughs> sorry. No. Let, let's give them more action. Mm-hmm. which we do see more mutants and we see more mutants using more of their powers. Um, but they're, and I have this type typed in all caps in my notes. There's no character arcs for anyone in the entire movie. Mm-mm, none. Nothing that happens by the third act is ever set up in either of the first two acts. No. Um, and the stuff that does feel like it's a setup is just reference. Like the whole, um, uh, Raven Darkholm gives away all of Magneto's plans because um, because he abandons her after she loses her powers. Mm. Like that's a that's a, I remember I remember seeing that and just being like, oh, that's just distasteful. Oh, Magneto really is horrible, and like the the consequences of that is a blip that doesn't even pan out. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, God, there's yeah, there's so much stuff like that. Um, no one learns anything <laughs> no. or, or grows in any no. way like by the end you know wolverine has to kill gene himself that's the big epic conclusion you know i mean there's lots of beginnings and there's lots of endings to this movie um but the main one that we're supposed to care the most about is that wolverine has to kill gene and but there is there any sort of do we do we get anything with him sort of knowing that and struggling with it, or you know uh, maybe something where he's overcome his animalistic tendencies and he's a good person now? And we see that, but now he has to you know go back and and be the killer that he was. No, none of that. Like mm-mm, not, mm-mm. you know, and he says he loves her at the end, but it's like you don't even know this person. Like you you met her at the beginning of the first movie, she dies at the end of the second movie. That's all that you really interact with her <laughs> because she came back as evil. So you, and, and then she does nothing for the second half of the movie. Well, and, and okay. All this whole mutant war is going on and she's just standing there in the background behind Magneto. <laughs> yeah. And there's, there's no reason for this character who has just decided that she is the most powerful being on earth and she can do whatever the fuck she wants to be hanging out with Magneto. There's no reason she would do this. Yeah, exactly. Um, and she goes nuts at the end. Why? Like she finally at the end of everything, once the big battle, once the big last stand has happened between, you know, the mutants and that are fighting each other and then the, the military, then she decides to, you know, go nuts <laughs> yeah, it's and it's not even like she sees because I mean again on the moon she sees her friends who are fighting for her mm-hmm. getting taken down. She sees and- Scott get shot and she thinks that he possibly could have been killed in that moment. And that's what triggers the dark Phoenix to come back. Right. And so you there's motivation for the character. The character who is like Dark the, the Dark Phoenix is not necessarily evil. They talk about her as as just unbridled passion just like 
emotional fury unleashed. Like it's not good. It's not bad. It's just a violent force of nature. And, and so for, for that to be released because of a loved one, it gives the character. Like you feel for the character, like she's not going crazy because, you know, that's what the story and the special effects need her to do. Exactly. She's going because she sees the love of her life get mowed down by by somebody while he's trying to defend her. There's a reason for that. And in, in X3, you just don't get that at all. That's what I mean when I say like. No, no one. There's no character arcs. There's no, no. In, there's no internal journey for anybody. Like nobody learns anything by the end of it. Magneto has one throwaway line where he's like, "What have I done?" But it's like, what? <laughs> yeah, like you, you, ju- you've just lost all your powers, and now you're like, "What have I done?" You don't care what you've done. You've just yeah. lost your powers. That's all you care about. Yeah, yeah. And there's a lot of stuff to that they introduce that sort of never gets its due and never gets wrapped up. Um, there's a, there's a whole scene in the beginning where we meet angel as a little kid. And I do like the idea of like mutant body horror as a thing. Mm-hmm. I think this is, this is the first time in these X-Men movies that we actually see kind of a really gross, terrifying, you know, version of, of what mutants have to deal with or like him cutting off his wings, which is really, it's like a kid cutting off his bloody mutant wings. You're like, Jesus Christ, what the fuck? Have you noticed that in, in the X-Men comics, anytime you want to really talk about how bad things have gotten, we do something horrible to Angel's wings. Like, no. do you realize that this is like a standard <laughs> X-Men trope? No, that it's I like, If we want to ruin people's lives, if you want to know that shit is going down, we are going to do something to Angel's wings. But then he's underused for the rest of the movie. We see him. Because uh, all he does is fly. <laughs> and I, I mean, like, he's a great character. But when it comes to, like, what does he do in all of this? Like, people just don't know what to do with him. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I do think that, um, well, we get, okay, so we get another intro is besides the recruitment of Gene, going back, you know, to, to that, and then 10 years later, I guess, or something, it's it's uh, uh, Angel's introduction, and then we get to present day, uh, or the not-too-distant future, and uh, they're in the danger room. We finally get a danger room sequence. Right. How did you feel about that? Um, well, I'm just going to say that's one other thing that Lyle said was like, oh, my God, we got the danger room sequence. <laughs> <laughs> How did you feel about that sequence? I, well, first of all, it looks like it's taking place in Days of Future Past. So I am all down for that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this is this is why I don't hate this movie as much as Dark Phoenix is because you get to see Colossus do shit. Mm-hmm. You get an actual character for Kitty Pride, which mm-hmm. I did not hate. Um. I yeah, we got better sentinel design. Much better. I did not like the sentinel design. I mean, I know where the sentinel design came from in Days of Future Past, but I I didn't care for it as much. Wait, wait, wait. Um, so which which sentinel design do you like better? Days of Future Past or this little danger room sequence? No, this little danger room sequence. Okay, good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. well, I mean, the the other ones are supposed to be Nimrod like, and right. if you if you look at it as them being Nimrods, then. Like, I get it, and they did a decent job. But, but don't we have to get, like, the OG Sentinels first before we get a take, uh, a Nimrod take on the Sentinels, you know? Yes, if if you're <laughs> taking your time and doing this right. I have, I, have, I have faith in Feige that we are going to get ridiculously yeah. 
awkward 30 foot robots as sentinels like yeah. please if you do anything right please give me the awkward i'm still plugged in cartoon versions of these sentinels because they're just amazingly fun bad guys i'm gonna take a wild guess here and say that you loved this interpretation of beast um it was a character of a character of beast hmm like okay. I like I like the fact that we actually get to see him. Like my favorite part of Beast being in this movie is I think he's the only fun action sequence in the the final battle. Yeah. And it's not even done that well. But it's kind of like it's it's what it tried to be Nightcrawler at the beginning of X2 and failed miserably. Yes. Yes. I thought for everything else that this movie fucks up, I thought they did a pretty good Beast. Like, I feel mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. this version of Beast is probably better than this movie is. <laughs> yes. And I think I think in a in different hands, like when we, when everybody said Kelsey Grammer is going to be Beast, you, the first reaction is, mm, how does that kind of physically work? And then <laughs> and then you're like, but yes, absolutely. He should be. He is. He is what Beast. Yes. I almost thought uh, at the time, I almost thought like that's too obvious. I like, can see that. Yeah. You know, kind of like Tom Hardy is Wolverine now. It's just like, oh, that's okay. We get it. That's like the, you know, the obvious casting. Let's do something more interesting. But no, I, yeah, I think that they made it work as well as that could work. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so, uh, so yeah, I don't hate him. I just don't think, and I certainly love him better than I do not like the beast in the other movies. Um, oh, right. <laughs> I just, it's too much angst. That's what, doesn't, yeah. doesn't yeah. have that much angst. Um, well, that's more of the new X-Men kind of feline beast is what we're getting in those movies. Yeah. Yeah. But even then, I mean, beast in general, like I want, I want an Avengers beast. I so want an Avengers beast in wonder man because they were just comedy in the background of every fight scene. And like, and they would, they like, they were two stupid kids in the background while Captain America is trying to tell them what the action plan is. They're like, like smacking each other inside the head, back of the the classroom. It's just like, like I want that beast. I want the beast that everybody's like, okay, he's funny, but sometimes you need to tone it down. Yeah, and I feel like you have to get so many other things right to arrive to to even the opportunity to introduce that kind of beast. Right, exactly. Like that that beast has to go on a journey. And I honestly think that's why we haven't gotten a Wonder Man yet is because they're mm-hmm. waiting to get a good beast. They got so many characters in this movie that they had I feel like, you know, getting rid of Cyclops, uh Xavier's death, uh Mystique being depowered. It was like just to, so that they didn't have to worry about those characters anymore. Yeah, we're just like, mowing them down. <laughs> yeah. And it's so funny how quickly Mystique is taken out of this movie knowing that gosh, she's going to be a main character soon in not like the best way. <laughs> no, oh God, no, like horrible. Like why? Yeah. Oh, uh, it's just bad decision making across the board. <laughs> but um, yeah. And then they, they <laughs> like, if you go online, so when they're rescuing the mutants for, Oh no, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm skipping ahead to, to Wolverine. We should probably oh. move on to Wolverine soon. Okay. Um, well, how did you there's a whole bunch of, there's a whole bunch of mutants in there too. How did you feel about the Iceman Rogue Kitty love triangle? Uh, okay, so Lyle said it in his little thing about that, and I I completely agree. Where is it? 
I, I feel bad. Lyle, I feel like I have ruined Charles Xavier for you forever, and I'm so, so sorry. <laughs> like, I don't disagree with you, but I have, like, triggered something in you that is just un- unbridled fury. <laughs> it was going to happen Eric, sooner or later. <laughs> <laughs> um, like he says, sure, Charles, keep acting like this isn't entirely your fault. Um, <laughs> oh, where is it? The Iceman Rogue Kitty Love Triangle, I think, for me, it just felt like they really desperately wanted to give rogue something to do. Um, her whole, her whole, you know, sort of crisis of, of what to do about her powers because she wants to be close with Iceman. She basically wants to have sex and, uh, she can't, and there's this cure now and she wrestles with it, I think in one scene. And then she goes and, and by the end of the movie, she's, she's cured. And, and (laughs) like, I guess, as a, I guess they didn't have the time to sort of dive into her character and motivations and why on a personal, you know, uh, from a personal angle, like why she would want to do that or not. And instead it's, it's all motivated by she's jealous because Bobby is getting close to Kitty and she doesn't want that. It's just, ugh. and then we, we hardly see her at all. Like, well, yeah, they they have they have done so much bad stuff with this rogue character because she's she was completely cut out of um last uh or um X2? Days of Future Past. Oh, oh no, Days of Future Past. Right, right, right. Um, no, she played a she played an okay part in X two. Like yeah, she was yeah. she was the 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 conscious for for Wolverine. But um, Lyle said this like when I was reading through his stuff this this. I was like, I'm right there with you. The I have a partner, but I put myself in a romantic type situation with somebody else scenes between Bobby and Kitty always make me very uncomfortable, regardless of if anything more comes of it. And it like, they don't do a good job of making it just a friendship. They very much make it flirting. And I'm sorry. I work with teenagers all day. They are not that deep. (laughs) Right. For me, it's the, it's the ice. Ice skates always takes me out. (laughs) I'm just like, what? Okay. Nobody's powers make any sense in this movie. No, but but like I can't help knowing what I know in the comic books now. So there's the scene at the end where Rogue comes back and she's like, "It's done. I don't have my powers anymore. I can touch you." And Bobby's like, "But I didn't want you to do this." And she goes, "I didn't do it for you." And then they hold hands. I like in my brain, his next line is, "Um, "I'm gay." Oh my god! And I, I like that. Like that's what popped into my mind when I was watching this, and I was like, "Oh, this is so bad." Oh my god! Oh, I wish we got it part four just to see that play out. Oh my god! Like just so so bad. Um, I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but I did a little bit of research, and Magneto's crew or br- brotherhood of evil mutants in this movie it consists of Pyro, mm-hmm. um, no longer Mystique. Uh, mm-hmm. Multiple men, yeah. Jamie Madden. horribly, horribly, horribly yeah. uh, portrayed, and only in the movie so that they can use him for that one scene where he fakes out the, the military uh, by posing as the the mutant camp, uh, only for him to give himself up and get arrested, which means he's probably going to be depowered. And apparently, that was that made sense for him. I don't know. Um, uh, what, what a, what a lost opportunity for a great action scene. Yeah. Uh, the juggernaut, 
mm-hmm. um, which utters probably the worst line in the entire movie. <laughs> uh, <laughs> based on based on the newly minted internet meme yeah. that, um, you know, the internet was new back then. Uh, and then this group of mutants called the Omegas that is led by Callisto and mm-hmm. also features Arclight and Quill. Um, when Magneto first recruits them in the church scene... The Omegas also includes a character referred to as Psylocke. Right. And Vanisher. So. I, I don't <laughs> remember Vanisher, but I do remember Psylocke. And I do remember going, that's Psylocke. That's what we get for Psylocke. Yeah, exactly. We get that for one of the biggest X-Men in the, in the, um, in the Marvel Universe. And, and also, that's, that's what we that's get what for, we get. that's what we get for Callisto. Yeah. Well, it, Callisto was like so. I mean, I get it. Like, it was okay, but I'm like, that's not Callisto. Like, at first, I thought the woman playing Arclight was Callisto. Right. Same here. Because she looks like it. Yes. Yes. Um, and Arclight doesn't have those powers. So that we're me. we're at the point. Yeah, we're at the point in this movie where, or in this franchise, where they're just throwing mutant characters that the audience will hopefully recognize or fans will recognize, but there's no connection to the source material whatsoever. No. Um, and like I said, lots of mutants, nonsensical action, and really no character arcs for anyone. So by the end of this movie, um. We have Wolverine kill Jean. Rogue is powerless. Wolverine is now headmaster at the school, we're led to believe by the, the, last, mm-hmm. the last scene. Uh, Beast is back in the government, which Wolverine is really happy about. Uh, Magneto getting his powers back and Xavier uh, resurrected in someone else's body that is really his body. Yes. Wow. <laughs> it's a lot. It's a lot to unpack. It's a lot. I mean, probably the most fun part of the movie is that battle at the end, right? Like you were saying, where we get Beast, we get everyone using their powers, uh, we get some cringe stuff, but it's kind of fun. It's tongue. Well, you gotta love again. Anytime you have Kitty, you have to put a big bad like like uh, Sabretooth or Juggernaut so that. Yeah. She can run through walls and they can blast through walls. And that I think I even mentioned that that's one of the things I want to see in a Marvel X-Men movie is you've got to have Kitty or Jubilee being chased by a big scary monster. Yeah. Like it, it is it is X-Men canon. Yes. It's a it's just a fun, interesting kind of like juxtaposition of power sets, right? Right, exactly. Um, and I really think the you know, there's a lot of good actors in this movie. I don't think they're given of you know a lot to do but i think that's pretty much what makes it watchable even i think this mm-hmm. kind of movie in the hands of of not as good actors would oh my god it would be unwatchable yeah well me. and i i mean i i have i have issues with Halle Berry, but <laughs> you know, she's a very patient woman she's yes. a very patient woman even because she like, went through four x-men movies with yeah. no character development at all yeah, four movies. She does get the most to do in this one, right? Yeah, but even then, not that much. Yeah, no, no. I think Ian McKellen understood what the fuck was going on and said, "Screw it." Yeah, I'm, I'm all in. Fuck it. I'm gonna ham it up. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> you, you know, Sean Daly met Ian McKellen, right? No, I did not know that. Yeah, he because he used to be a studio teacher, so he would be the one that would fulfill the studio's obligation to have a teacher on staff when they were working with children. Oh, shit. 
And he did that for a sh- uh, a play that Ian McKellen was at. And everybody was like, well, don't talk to Ian McKellen. Don't talk to Ian McKellen. Don't talk to Ian McKellen. You leave him alone. Don't, don't, don't look at Ian McKellen. <laughs> that is not Ian McKellen's rule. That's that's <laughs> other people's rule. Because apparently he, he went up to him one day and was kind of like, I see you around here a lot. What do you do? <laughs> oh, and Chung goes, I'm, I'm one of the teachers. And he's like, oh. I guess that's okay. So you deal with the children? Okay. Yeah, I'm probably not good around the children. <laughs> I'll, I'll go back over there. But he said he was really nice and very funny. Oh, that's great. Um, it's not the last we're going to see of Ian McKellen as Magneto or uh, Patrick Stewart as Professor X. Uh, we thought it was because after this movie came out, I was like, holy shit, where do we go from here? Um, how do you rank the first three X Men movies? Two, one, three. Okay, I, I, that's how I ranked them as well, but I was almost half expecting you to rank three higher. Given no. That. Okay. I, 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 like, I, will, I will hate watch the action sequences because back then that was the closest we ever got to an X-Men team up. Yes. And, but, I, but other than that, it's not it's, – and, and the story that they were trying to tell with the mutant cure wasn't awful. It's just it was, it was peppered with too much Dark Phoenix stuff that it, you could, it couldn't stand on its own. Yeah, I really like your your retcon of um, just letting Scott walk off, walk out of the mansion, and that's it. We don't have to deal with that anymore for this movie. That that man, that's yeah. such an easy, quick <laughs> fix. Wow, yeah. um, this movie was basically the beginning of the end of this era of comic book movies, right? Yeah. Because yeah. after this one came out, and they weren't kind of sure, they were hoping that Wolverine would you know, resuscitate the franchise. Um, Spider-Man three came out uh, about a year later. Uh, and then about a year after that, we got Iron Man and the birth of the MCU. So yeah, it, it was kind of, um, this is as far as, as they were going to get <laughs> with, with this iteration of the X-Men. And that was very clear after X-Men origins Wolverine. How much do you have to say about this? movie? <laughs> um, Again, say so. This is another one that was like, let's throw all the fa-. like you said, no fan service, and I am like, fan service gone terribly wrong. <laughs> um, let's take the the let's take the Liefeld era of characters with big guns and and pockets, and throw them on a team together with Wolverine and Sabretooth, oh, and then try and make a movie out of it, like. Stryker's whole plan is to create a super mutant to hunt other mutants <laughs> with no plan to control said mutant. Oh, God. At this point, the studio's basically c- concocting the, the scripts, right? Yeah. And it's awful. Like, I mean, do am I, am I like, okay, it's fun to see Blob. Do we do anything with Blob? No. Um, it's fun to see... Like, did you know that the... Um, I don't remember the actor's name, but the guy who plays one of the um, hobbits in uh, Lord of the Rings. Oh, yeah. And, um, he's supposed to be Bolt. Oh, who is this, really? Re- who is this really complex mutant teenage character mm-hmm. that, like, who, why? Why is this the character that you chose? You're like, this makes no sense. The character played by um, Dominic Monaghan, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, w- Will I Am is <laughs> in this movie. Uh, his his character has got this really cool. His a uh, character named John Wraith, 
And like the the way they handle his powers are really cool. But again, what is the point of this character being here? Right. But is John Wraith is, is that a mutant from the comics? Yeah, yeah. He's I mean, like he's like they they pulled all the Weapon X characters out of the different books and threw them into this movie. This is supposed to be like Team X, right? This is like yeah. the 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 mercenary team that lo- is in Logan's past, right? Yeah, this is the this is the Weapon X project rejects. And okay. Silver Fox is his girlfriend, and um, and then yeah. we get Gambit. Yeah, we get David North is on the team, which isn't that is that a character from the comics? David North. That's that's uh, the guy with the guns, the leader, or I guess the oh yeah, Agent Agent Zero. Who Agent again, Zero. I- that's right. That's right. Because again, it's the '90s, so we're pulling from the '90s, so everything's like. You're spelled right. with a Y or has a number of it. You know, it's all it's all really bad. You're absolutely right. Like, yeah, it's really bad stuff. This is the the Lee Field X Men movie. Holy shit! Yeah. I never with, looked with at Deadpool. Hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> is, oh my god! I that never like that never that didn't dawn on me until you said it. Holy shit! Um. Yeah, God, this is so bad. So, um, clearly, they were very excited to dive into these movies. Fox was. They wanted a, every movie was a, a basically a Logan movie up to this point. So, they just said, fuck it. Let's cut out the middleman and just just make a Logan movie. But then they cram it full of all these other mutants. <laughs> well, and the plan, the plan was – the plan was – to kind of do the reverse of what the MCU did. And there were going to be origin movies for all of them, which would have meant that storm would have gotten her own origin movie. And it would have been amazing. Mm. Theoretically, that's what they were thinking. And that's, I think what they kept promising Halle Berry is that, Hey, we're going to eventually do an origin X X X-Men origin storm. And you'll get this, like you will be this kick-ass character that we finally get to, to delve into. But then after Wolverine was so poorly received. They were like, like you can hear the break screech. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, cause it, it's just, it made no sense. There's no through line to this at all. For me, I have a note that says the credits are the best part. Maybe. <laughs> Why is that? Be- just because it's fast and it's like a music video and no one's talking and you just get to see, Wolverine and Sabretooth be badasses in multiple. Oh, the opening credits. I thought you were saying the closing credits because it was. (laughs) (laughs) Shit. I wish I had thought of that. Uh, The opening credits. (laughs) God damn it. Let's do over. No, (laughs) edit, edit, edit this back. I, I don't edit, Ray. I don't edit. <laughs> God, no, the opening credits, which to me is a very bad sign. It's, it's the same way I feel about um, Zack Snyder's uh, Watchmen. I feel like that opening credit montage is kind of cool. And then yeah. that's it. Like, it's downhill from there. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, I feel like, you know, people who are not attached to certain expectations from the comics or from knowing the characters well – are going to watch that and go, that was kind of cool. That's interesting. Yeah. Oh, I didn't realize there was this much history or they're connecting, you know, these characters to so much, blah, blah, blah. Like kind of expands the the world, right. That of, of this story 
in a quick way, easy to digest way. Uh, I, I've never been a big fan of uh, Wolverine's uh, finally unveiled origin from the comics. I don't know how you feel about that, but you know, I I've always taken I've always taken Wolverine origin stories with a massive grave of salt because it's like he is he has enough origin stories for like ten different characters. But but doesn't he have like a a legitimately like defining like origin story. It was a huge deal that they were finally going to tell us the truth. I mean, it's called origin, right? Like this is yeah. like his well, name's I, Jimmy. And he- I don't remember. I don't remember reading those comics. Um, Lyle said in his, in his comments, when the origin comics came out, I love them. They did a good job, both telling a story and still leaving questions unanswered. They, then they shat, all over it in this movie, but I don't remember there ever being like ever being a definitive origin. It's like, this could have been what it is, but then maybe not. Maybe it's his false memories. Maybe this is an alternate timeline. Like there's always some, but Hmm. maybe Hmm. I'm with Lyle. I feel like that, that was definitely their shot at the definitive Wolverine origin. I didn't like it, you know, Mm -mm. as as much as, as Lyle did. But um, seeing it in this movie, it just feels all shoehorned in. Uh, mm-hmm. um, you know what's dawning on me? This is the this script is the uh, the mutant script that is put together from all these terrible ideas. The way Deadpool is the mutant killer put together, <laughs> cobbled together. It's the same right. thing. Well, there's just no like again all the all the stories that Marvel's telling right now, even if they don't follow the like. We don't have a multiverse, multiverse of madness or magic. Madness. I don't know. I got it right the first time. Yeah. I, I get so confused with that title. It's just like a that. big title. I like it's multiverse, a big title. multiverse of magic. Let's just call it that. I, yeah. <laughs> um, it, like there's that's not a comic storyline in the comic books as far as I know. It is something that they've created based on other stories but everything they do is based on an existing story that has been written that has been curated that has been how do we make this fit in our universe Mm -hmm. and i feel like the first three x-men even if they were poorly done here and there we're still like let's try and fit a story into this universe Mm -hmm. this they they took they took the little the five minutes at the beginning of that origin story and then they throw everything else into it that makes no sense and is based on nothing. Yeah. It's really hard to sort of go through this movie and like critique the plot because none of the plot really makes sense. It's Mm -hmm. the character motivations, the choices that they're making. uh, There's so many leaps in logic at weird times. Everyone is overpowered or underpowered depending on what's convenient for the scene um sometimes the same character is both yes exactly i think it's hilarious that we get to see this team x or uh uh, you know do this mission and then like each part of this mission is completely handled by one character on the team to the point that it's like, why did they even need a fucking team? Like each guy is so ridiculously overpowered that he could have just gone in and took, you know, taking care of this mission on his own. And then when they finally get to like the, the, the main 
uh, goal of the mission, which is to get this rock, the guy who owns it, this general or whatever of this country is like, what, that? Like, I just found that. That's nothing. And Stryker is like, this is what I'm after. And it's like, holy shit, the guy didn't even know what the fuck it was. Like, you could have just bartered for it or asked him for it, taken it off of his desk. It's not like he was going to, like, pull out all the stops to protect this thing. It's just ridiculous. Right. Oh, Yeah. It's like, just, there's, there's, and and I, I'm so glad that we all look back and make fun of – of Deadpool because it's just there's nothing good about that that character. It's like you see that little moment at the beginning with Ryan Reynolds being Deadpool and going, "Oh, this is going to be fun. Deadpool's going to be awesome." And then it's just badness for the rest of life. Like it's just horrible. Yeah, they I for me it, this movie it becomes very difficult for me to to not press stop any time that those uh katanas uh slide out of his retractable oh. katanas slide out of his arms because that it's it's hilarious it's hilarious that those katanas go somewhere in his, <laughs> right in his body right. like his arms are not that long <laughs> and, and yet he can still bend his arms at the elbow that just it <laughs> Because it's because it's Liefeld physics. It doesn't need to make sense. It just needs to quote unquote look cool. And he also and, has the powers of Scott Summers, right? Cyclops. He can shoot right. energy blasts, and he can teleport, right? Um, right. And he can heal, right? And he has adamantium bones. Yeah, he's got all of these powers that, like, no, there's no reason any character should be able to defeat this thing that you have created. Oh, it's great though that cutaway of Stryker, like uh, uh, trying, you know, controlling him because he's under control of Stryker's computer, and he mm-hmm. has to type in decapitate. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like that's how he's controlling Deadpool. What if he miss? Is there like autocorrect? What if he miss? <laughs> what happens? What happens then? Oh God. So uh, great. so great. Yeah. So <laughs> and then we get we get all these mutants in the jail which again this is the same thing that happens in the Snyder um Justice League. It's like you see them in their cages and they're all like struggling to get out and I'm pretty sure one of those is supposed to be Quicksilver and he's like bound by all these cords so he can't get any traction so he can't be fast but he's trying. And so then they escape and he just walks yeah, <laughs> just walks the entire time. Like, like they run, but is he running super fast? No, he's just walking with everybody else. Because that's like he'd more be badass. out of there. That's more badass, Joe. That's why. But it's it's not. It's like we're too lazy to figure out how their actual powers work, so we're not going to put them in. Yes. And then and then they the Silver Fox's sister apparently is a, a a mutant named Emma, who can turn her her body into diamonds. So Emma Frost. Oh, but it, but but that's not Emma Frost. It's just a character that has uh, her same name and similar powers because we want to use her in a different movie and actually use her for real. I actually have a note here that says this is a cartoon. That's it, and it is. It is, and, and uh, along with the um, <laughs> the ridiculousness of the retractable katanas, um, other other notes under the cartoon comment is uh, Gambit helicopter. Uh, because yeah, apparently Gambit helicopter. he can fly or he can slow his descent off of a building <laughs> by twirling his uh, his staff. Uh, we have a Wolverine ladder chopping. 
with his blades where the ladder, the, the, what's it called? The, um, the fire escape. He's just completely decimating it by waving his claws back and forth. Right. It's like a, it's like a wood chipper. Just mm-hmm. we have, um, adamantium bullet. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. He, he stops, he stops energy. <laughs> from passing through his claws by crossing them in an X in front of him. That's my even next though <laughs> even though there is no there is no nothing that stops the rest of it from pouring through. We're gonna just hold it there with like our our six claws in an X pattern, and that somehow is going to refract the the energy from going through. And he goes from not knowing how to use his claws to the point that he's destroying bathrooms to he can stop his momentum of a motorcycle by <laughs> by throwing plunging them into the ground. He can make faster turns and stuff. It's just like no no physics logic whatsoever here. Um, then we get the Hudson. We get the Hudsons, but not the Hudsons that are cool and can eventually become superhumans themselves. But a, a, a kindly elderly couple that we're going to oh immediately god. murder. Oh god! Just so that we can. Uh, get to the 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 awesome scene of him using the claws to s- strike some sparks in the ground which lights a conveniently placed <laughs> pool of gasoline that leads back to the helicopter so he can walk away from it which okay so then the, speaking of the hudsons and for those of you who don't know um the hudsons are guardian and vindicator from alpha flight which is the team that uh, Wolverine was on before he joins the X-Men and um, they're that's not really them though is it like there's no shot uh, of, a, of a mailbox that says the Hudson's on or anything no no, no it is they're they're credited in the um, in the, the I think they changed the names but it is Heather Hudson is oh, the God. is the older woman no. um, and they're um, yeah, so bad. Like I, I saw what they were doing. I'm like, no, like Heather Hudson is one of those women that has a partner already that Wolverine tries to seduce because that's kind of what he does in the comics. Is <laughs> oh, hey, Gene, I know you have Cyclops, but um, hey, how's it going? Hey, Heather, I know you've got James, but hey, how's it going? My God, what a clusterfuck this is! What like there's just it's no so rhyme bad. or reason. And and are you at all creeped out? By the Hudsons because they're like, oh, let me get our son's clothes yeah. for you. <laughs> oh, here, take his jacket. It's like there's some like misery shit about to go down with these two. It's a little creepy. <laughs> also, why do we care where the jacket came from? Like, that's the kind of little thing that I feel like these movies think is going to blow our minds. It's and I have to say the MCU is guilty of this too as well with like uh, uh what's her name's um with Natasha's um, vest that she gets from her sister uh-huh. and like little things like that, where it's like, that doesn't matter. Like it's to me, it's like grasping for any sort of relevance or like wink nod to future right. movies that just, yeah, it doesn't need to be there. I would have much rather have seen a movie about how Logan's character is so different from what we see by the end of, you know, say, I don't know, X-Men one and two, where he clearly is a loner that doesn't give a shit about anyone that doesn't have any instinct whatsoever to sort of sacrifice himself for a team or for a school of children. And we see, you know, in those movies, we see him sort of make that transition to somebody who is going to make the sacrifice and cares about people outside of himself. It would have been cool to meet a Logan that didn't give a fuck. And was just 
an animal and was just a killer. But no, the Logan that we meet in this Origins movie is already somebody with a conscience and with somebody that is resisting that. So right. what the fuck is the point? <laughs> well, and then and, and then to bring it back to the fact that this is a totally a Liefeld-based character, and, and Lyle points this out, um, oh good, we've got a female character that died to motivate a man to do a thing. It's totally a women in a refrigerator storyline. Absolutely. And then they kill her twice. And then they kill her twice. <laughs> um, yeah, no, there, this is... This is the second to the worst movie in the X-Men franchise. Oh, I think this is the worst. Oh, no. Like, you cannot. I'm sorry. Dark Phoenix has to be the bottom because you already made this movie and it was bad. So to make it again and have it be worse, you do not get anything more than last place in my book. Oh, <laughs> I'm man. sorry. I'm sorry. I, like, you can't. For me, it's it's... It's the cartoon. I can't like Dark Phoenix is bad. It, mm-hmm. it's, they're one and two for me at the bottom, but mm-hmm. Dark Phoenix to me and hey, we're going to rewatch it soon. So, <laughs> so oh. I change. but I feel like it's not a cartoon like this movie's a fucking cartoon. There, There's just so much bad shit, crazy stuff that just doesn't make sense. Um it, there's little, all kinds of little things. I'm taking out of. I'm taken out of this movie every five minutes. Yes, it's, you, you have to have a drink, like <laughs> to just, to just well, stay. because there's so many. Like there's so many rough transitions. There's so many mm-hmm. transitions that don't make sense. We're going from this this thing to that thing. Like I have yes. no idea why they like. Why the hell do they kill Bolt? I don't understand. Like yes. it makes no sense. There's no motivation for it other than to be like Victor's bad. Yeah, we saw him like rape and pillage in Vietnam. We know he's bad. Like <laughs> we got it. Like so, you don't have to. Why? So they they slow. Uh, what's her name? Silver Sable. Oh no, that's that's a diff- totally different character. Silver Silver Fox. Silver Fox. Silver Sable's a Spider-Man character, right? Yeah, she's the she's the the mercenary. That's right. Um, so they slow Silver Fox's heartbeat, and literally Sabretooth pours a bag of blood <laughs> over her body. Like that's literally like they show that, and and that leads to Wolverine believing that she's dead. Yeah, Wolverine with- doesn't at all check for any puncture wounds or scratches at all, <laughs> or at like all. his heightened like senses. Don't tell him. It's stuff like that, Joe. Which seems it sounds as we describe it that it's like nitpicking, but this movie is full of stuff like that. Yeah, it's all plot holes and all this doesn't make sense and all like what what is it that you say you don't like it when it's just convenience for story sake? Yeah. Yeah. And that's yeah. all this movie is. It's like how do we get to the new next action sequence which really aren't that great. No, they're not. That's yeah, exactly. There's really no um reason to they, they don't give you anything to enjoy in this movie. Um no. How do you feel about Sabretooth? Do you like this version of Sabretooth or do you like the version from X-Men 1 better? Um, I like Is it Leif Shriver? Yeah. I I like him as an actor. I don't I I I thought that he had like this cruelty about him and I think you know he did have kind of the way they had him moving around and and attacking people I thought was kind of fun. Mm-hmm. But but everything around him is so awful that it's not a good, like there's nothing 
more interesting about the character than like, okay, he's got some kind of cool powers, but it's not, there's no depth. Yeah. Yeah. I what felt like, you? well, I felt like um, Leif Shriver's a, a good actor. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this is one of those cases where it's probably not the best choice for the character of Sabretooth, but if you give a good actor a chance, they're going to, they're going to do the best they can. And it's probably going to be serviceable. And, and he I, did definitely do the best he could with that role. Like, oh yeah, like for sure. He's probably one of the most watchable things in this movie. Absolutely watchable. But I think that they could have done a, made a better casting choice. I, what I love about this version uh, is that we finally get the characterization of Victor Creed. Correct. Right. And, and I wish, and I've seen this posted online before. I wish we could get the visuals of the, the first movies, Sabretooth, even though I'm not crazy about those visuals either, com- mm-hmm. combined with the characterization of this version of Sabretooth, I think would be fun to see. Yeah, I want something that kind of melds those two visions together. I cannot, okay, so speaking of Sabretooth, and I'm going a little bit back to our um, Multiverse of Madness talk. <laughs> I Ray, I want an Exiles movie. Right, I knew you were going there. I want an Exiles movie, and I want I want at some point in my lifetime, I want an Age of Apocalypse Sabretooth. Oh man. That... He's such a great character. <sighs> yeah. What about an the movies? I feel like they're gonna keep those really limited. What about an like an Exiles show? Oh yeah. Well, I mean, I I like I will I will shit myself in the theater. If in one of these sequences where where uh, America Chavez and Doctor Strange are flying through realities and we see Blink somewhere, like I will lose my mind. <laughs> and it doesn't have to like it doesn't have to be anything more than just a, a like in a shard of glass somewhere mm. in the poster. Like I just want to see a Blink because for those of you who don't know, Blink is a great character that ends up being a a. Um, uh, multiverse traveler that go and fix timelines. Uh, yeah. And she's just a great character. I feel like Exiles is perfectly set up. That whole concept of that book is perfectly set up for a, a series, at least one yeah. season of this. Especially because we've, we've introduced this, like how, like, I feel like phase four is so early to be getting into multiverse shit. I feel like they are really not, dumbing down anything for their audience they're Mm -hmm. just like you guys can handle this we're gonna go weird and crazy and wacky because it lets us do whatever the hell we want to do Mm -hmm. and we trust that you'll be able to follow along yeah as a that is that is a good version (laughs) of of that (laughs) whereas this wolverine movie is the worst version of that because they so don't cool. they they throw everything at you but nothing gets its its due and so it's just it's just like going through a bunch of cool stories from the comics with and completely wasting all of those ideas mm-hmm. um yeah i would love to see a good version of it but instead here we get weapon x sort of we get deadpool sort of we get team x Sort of. And we, we get, get the person that we have seemed to avoid this entire conversation is we get Gambit. Yeah, we get Gambit. And you know For what? For no purpose at all. No, but you know, honestly, uh, I feel like Channing Tatum's version was not going to be any better than this. No, that's why it didn't get made. <laughs> 
Oh God! You know what we did, Ray? But, what? We, just, we, we invoked we invoked Chatting Tatum's gambit. I know, I know. So I have to go look it up. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Where are we at with that? He's given up, right? He's moved on. I, no, I don't. Well, now he's just in the angry, bitter stage of life. Right. Well, he has, he's avoiding all MCU anything because he didn't get to play Gambit, right? Okay. Yeah. So, so three weeks ago, because because it does not like I don't think we've ever looked up <laughs> and had it more than a few months that there hasn't been an article about this movie. Um, the headline, and I'm not going to read it because it's not worth it, but the headline is Channing Tatum was so traumatized by not playing Gambit that he can't watch Marvel movies. It was just too sad. Yeah, that's what I'm, That's what I was referencing. I saw that. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. Well, really, I mean, I think call me crazy, but I feel like, yeah, this was okay. I guess that was Gambit, you know, sort of. Um, it doesn't seem like to me, it's not like, Oh my God, they got this character, this character totally wrong. Um, But he does the same thing that he does that that, that they do with mystique where it's like, I could, I, one of my powers is defying gravity. They all do that in this, in these movies, whenever they're also all somehow, whenever they get their, their mutant powers, whether it's, you know, a healing factor and metal claws or whether it's charging stuff, they all get super strength. Because what gives Wolverine <laughs> the strength to lift things over his head just because he has metal claws? I don't understand that. They well, all- I think it's the idea of the reinforced body, like the reinforced skeletal system, but it still is not well handled. No, no. And why can Gambit fly, right? Like, no, <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Also... Adamantium bullets erase memory, apparently? Why? <laughs> that makes no sense. I forgot about that until they said, because uh, I know he's like, erase the memory. And then they didn't erase the memory. And I was like, well, well then how does he get his memory erased? And it's like, well, I didn't get to do it that way. So adamantium bullets might not kill him, but it'll erase his memory. It's like, what? I know. And it's not an what? accident. It's not a weird. It, it would be one thing if it was like. It's still laughable, but if they just shot him thinking it was going to kill him and instead it only erases his memory. No, but he calls his shot. Stryker says, this will erase his memory. <laughs> Why? How? Uh, I don't know. And then, uh, you know, young, we get an, we're going to get another version of Stryker that is even younger. These movies do this. Fox does this weird thing with these movies, too, where they really focus in on these characters that... Why? Like, what? <laughs> Stryker was never this like important a character in the comic because book. if we because if we tie them all together then we're being clever right it's it's the right. whole it's the whole thing that marvel got right that dc got wrong it's like you can't just tie things together and make it work you have to take your time and that's why that's why spider-man 3 was a mess they didn't take their time to make it multiple movies that's why Last Stand was a mess. They didn't take time to make it multiple multiple movies. And that's why Marvel is such a force right now is because they have no problem saying, you know what? We're going to start an entire series line because we want to take time with these stories so that they make sense. It's like any time they can just say, let's throw Xavier at the end of this. Like, they, yeah, just there's no one there to go, oh, wait, wait, why, why? Like I totally mm-hmm. forgot that Professor X shows up at the end of this movie. Right. And and it's like, well, why? Like, 
I guess because they thought they were going to make, and they ended up they ended up making more movies. But it's like you killed off half your cast, and you're you're depowering everyone. Like where where are you going from here? Yeah this this movie effectively ends the the X Men universe as we know it up to this point. Because I correct me if I'm wrong, but this was before um, the 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 first team X Men movie was even conceptualized like they didn't they didn't have that planned when they made this movie no they didn't know what the fuck they were gonna do with the x-men after this because <laughs> they were hoping that this wolverine film would sort of fix what x3 did uh yeah. the last shot <laughs> it cracks me up <laughs> the last shot is you're thinking okay gambit came back why I mean, who knows? Right. But this is after Sabretooth saves Wolverine's life. Why? Like, right. who who only I get to kill you? What? Um, but anyway, <laughs> Jesus, man. But you think, okay, Gambit showed up for no reason, but he's going to be Logan's ride off of this literal island. And okay, I guess they're going on some adventures that we don't see or know of, you know. But no, Wolverine says... No. I'm, I'll find my own way. And Gambit says, okay, I literally just flew back to this island and put myself in harm's way to do this one thing. <laughs> it's like, and instead, I'm just going to leave you now. And he runs off. And then we get this like shot from above where you see like literally Wolverine just runs away. And like the cops uh-huh. are there. None of the cops, like the cops see him like running away from this scene where there's multiple dead people lying there because because didn't doesn't this fight take place in a nuclear facility yeah that they've just destroyed but there's no there's no nuclear meltdown there's no there's no anything there's no consequence for destroying this nuclear yeah it's power plant it's three Three miles yeah um and he and logan just runs just runs. Yeah, away. just like, runs. That's the end of the movie. Seriously, that's the last shot. Fade to black. Like we just zoom out. Just running away. <laughs> that's the end of this movie. So, uh, Gavin Hood directed this. Um, <laughs> poor guy. He was um, now no, his previous film was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Foreign Language Film. And so he had some cachet at the time in Hollywood, I guess, based off of that. Mm-hmm. And uh, and he, you know, <laughs> he got hired by Fox to make this movie, which clearly he didn't do it. I mean, this was not his movie. No, no. I think and I think they that Fox did the same thing mm-hmm. that Warner Brothers is doing. It's like leave your directors alone. Exactly. Get yourself a good showrunner that can tie everything together and let them do their stuff. And if you see it failing, that's when you step in. But like they know more about the properties they're working with than you do. Mm-hmm. Back off. Yep. So um who I mean <laughs> we, this, well, it's fun to see you know together sort of what ended. Like you you, you see that the heights of you know geek sort of dreams being realized by we're getting an X-Men movie that is actually has a budget and is, is well received. And we couldn't believe our eyes that we had a live action Wolverine and a live action professor X and right. Just, right. just the, the, the fucking euphoria of, of that 
you know, we, we weren't spoiled at that point with, you know, all the MCU shit. So the fact that we had that in existence was amazing. And then to see it end like this. And, right. you know, and, and it, it's not like it's not like we were watching this and then Marvel came along and we were like, all right, X-Men, you've got to make it to that level. Exactly. No, like this all happened. The, the, the rise and descent of the X-Men happened well before. The, yes. The um, the Marvel Universe started. Exactly. And so, um, gosh, to see where it ended up, not knowing that we were going to get, you know, X-Men First Class, which I I really like. I'm really excited to see this. I'm excited to watch that one again. Yeah. That's up next, right? Yeah. So before we wrap up, based on the whole whole reason why we're doing this is because we know we're getting at least Xavier – and hopefully more mutants in Multiverse of Madness. So, what's your final? Based on what we've we've seen, I feel like we every every episode we kind of go, "What does this make you want to see in the X Men multi or uh, MCU version?" Yeah, um, it makes me want to see a proper Wolverine. Okay, uh, a short, you know violent, angry, sort of antisocial furball um, who's not good with people and in a team dynamic and has to learn that over a series of films. Mm-hmm. Uh, who's a side character, not the main character. Um, I want to see a Professor X in, in Multiverse of Madness that acknowledges um, that a, a movie that acknowledges Professor X's tendency to be fucking terrible. Uh, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, (laughs) You know, mm -hmm. just like someone who says, I've made a lot of mistakes. Someone who says, you know, uh, who who is maybe paying for some of the, you know, the havoc that he causes. Um, I don't know, man. Is it too, I I don't even want to, I don't even shoot wanna, for the moon. Shoot for the moon. No, <laughs> I don't even. I don't, that's the thing. It's just I'm having such a hard time with that because I don't want to see a Dark Phoenix saga without the Shi'ar. No, that's it. I don't want to see a Dark Phoenix saga without the the battle on the moon. Well, I mean, like we already know that that Marvel is not afraid to go spacefaring. Like I, I want. <laughs> I want the Star Jammers, dude. Yeah. I want the Star Jammers. Yeah. Um, who played a big significant part in that because they were part of the X-Men team that were fighting the the Shi'ar. Um anything else? Any other things that you absolutely want? Oh man, I mean a proper beginning to the X-Men, you know? I mm-hmm. feel like mm-hmm. uh I feel like the next couple of movies that we're gonna watch over the next two weeks are are them Fox attempting to do exactly what we're talking about right now, which is right, right. Uh, a proper Wolverine story, which they try to do with the Wolverine. Mm-hmm. Um, and they bring in James Mangold to do that with Hugh Jackman uh, and a proper intro to the X-Men with the, which they attempted to do with first class. Um, right. So I, I'm, you know, I'm going to, I'm excited to, to watch these again and to dive into them with you in our next episode. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm really hoping that we. I I am looking forward to, and I think we're going to get it in Disney Plus series. I am looking forward to the descent of mutants in society's eyes. 
because right now we're living in a, a Marvel universe where the the Avengers are are like celebrities. Like we see that in Hawkeye, where you know he's <laughs> they've made a musical about them, um, and I want to see where the transition is between superpowered people are really cool and protecting us to there's too many of them and they could be anybody and mutants are scary. We've already started to see that in WandaVision. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I think Wanda might be the person to, to instigate that. Yeah. Because, well, there's that there's also, she's the one who caused the Sokovia accords. Yes. So, so there's there, you know, and then we've got the, the Spider-Man, um, the two different sides of, you know, is Spider-Man good or is he a, a menace? Um, so I really am looking forward to like motivation for creating Sentinels and motivation for creating, um, you know, hounds and all these different kind of really horrible. Cause I feel like we're in a good climate for these kind of stories yeah. because again, the X-Men are always about that kind of um, the marginalized populations. And I, I think that this is a good way to tell some of those stories in a way that's accessible to a lot of people. You know, listening to you talk about this, I feel like we're in a place to do two things to, to, for it to go in two directions where you, you're right. You have the X-Men and mutants being, you know, um, hated and feared. And then you have the fantastic four being the first family, being the true celebrities, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. beloved by the population and so if the x-men are the 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 bad side of it it creates a platform for the fantastic four to be like no 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 we need to rehabilitate you know the the public's confidence and that's Mm -hmm. that's what causes them to be so visible which Um, which puts because yeah because the fantastic four even though they have code names they really go by their regular everybody knows that it's the richards exactly like everybody knows that it's these these um these this family that is is they're adventurers they're They're adventurers exactly and i i like this idea of you know this is how you start getting conflicts between super teams because yes. you've got the people trying to be the the upstanding citizens and then you've got the people who are forced to be the outlaws mm-hmm. even though they're all fighting for the same thing like i feel like there's so many possibilities right now i can't wait i can't wait yeah. i can't wait how are we going to wait until may i don't know <laughs> well we'll be all caught up with this x-men rewatch by then so we'll be in a good position and moon knight's starting soon too oh that's right i keep forgetting about moon knight yeah, although after some articles that I have read, um, our whole thing about we don't need to make Magneto uh, Jewish. Yeah, no, um, it sounds like we very much need to make Magneto Jewish <laughs> <laughs> because apparently Moon Knight is Jewish and that's not necessarily paid tribute to right now. And it is causing all sorts of issues. Oh, shit. So I So I, I retract my statement. I think we probably should keep Magneto Jewish because – it obviously is very important to a lot of people. I had a feeling. I had I yeah, yeah. spend more time on Twitter than you do. So I see <laughs> <laughs> I kind of see the, you know, some of the the um discourse that's happening around these these characters and these stories. And yeah, I I had a feeling that would be the case. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. All right. So next week we are watching uh what did we say we were watching? We're watching X-Men. <laughs> we're watching X-Men First Class, and then we're watching okay. The Wolverine. 
which we All get right. we get Logan in Japan. Logan, which I thought I was going to absolutely hate, and I actually remember liking it. So it'll be interesting to go back and watching it and seeing if it's okay. Oh, I thought I was going to love it, and I kind of hate it. So that's interesting. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, I think, again, I think I was comparing it to Origins, and after you watch Origins, it's like, ugh, every, everything's a step up from that <laughs> until you true. get to Dark Phoenix. That's true. That's true. Any All shout right. outs? Any shout outs this week before we wrap up? Um, just to um, to Katie and Steph and Becca and Chelsea, I had f- a lot of fun hanging out and doing Korean barbecue with you guys. Oh so man, thanks for thanks for doing that. Yeah, that sounds like fun. I'll, I'll I'll try to join the next one. Yes, please do. And how about you? No. <laughs> no <shout-outs. laughs> Ray is too busy for people right now. <laughs> so true. That is so true. Oh God. All right. All the music in this episode is by Ben Sound and is being used under a Creative Commons license. You can find more music by Ben Sound at bensound.com. Geektitude is a proud member of the geek to geek Network. Check out other geek to geek shows, the geek to geek Podcast, Tea Time with Katie and Chelsea, Disney Forever, You Can't Stop Me Loving K-Pop, The Nerd Word Review, JRPGs and Me, Dragon Quest FM, maybe Mating Habits of the Modern Geek, Farming Simulated, As the Dice Roll, and Sometimes Rob, as well as the Planes Talker Podcast. Also, check out our Twitter... Sh- our my goodness. Also, check out our Twitch streamers, Capsule J, Bama Shocks, Toidal Power, Geen, and Nixie. And make sure to join us in Slack or Discord where you can chat with us in real time. Uh, you can currently find us at geek2.com as well as on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and most other podcatchers out there. Please leave us a review and spread the word. If you'd like to contact me, you can send me an email at joehogan at geektitude.com. You can also follow the show on Twitter at Geektitude or me personally at Epic Grays. Ray, where can we find you? I am online perpetually, uh, definitely on Twitter and Instagram and sometimes Facebook because some of my friends are just never left Facebook. So (laughs) I'll I'll go to where they are if I want to interact with them. Uh, And you can find me at Ray Vargas three on all of those platforms. And you can also check out my website, rayvargas3.com coming along nicely, super excited about all the work I'm going to get to share soon. So as I wrap up my, my final semester of grad school, um, I'm going to get to start putting all of my new work out there. So yeah, check it out. I cannot wait to see what you've been working on. I've seen little bits and pieces of it when you mm-hmm. posted pictures, but I want to see, I want to see the Ray collection. I uh, have, I'm going to be in a, in a show in a group show uh, this summer that I'll announce details for as it gets closer, uh, where I'm going to have a number of big new pieces in it in a, uh, at the Laguna art museum in Laguna beach. So, Oh, that's awesome. Do you know, do you know which month? Uh, it's going to be probably May, June, July. They're going to be. Up. Oh, so three, three full months. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's excellent because that gives us plenty of time. Maybe that is our next meetup is to go see your, your art. Oh, that'd be so cool. Yeah. I'll, I'll share details as soon as I have them. Excellent. 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 All right, folks, that is it for this week. Uh, we will see you in two weeks with, uh, more X-Men movie fun. But until then, remember this week, keep it geek. Keep it geek.